and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me from the movie riffing group One Wall Cinema, who can currently be found on OneWallCinema.com and RiffTracks.com, and is also a fellow resident of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, K1, a.k.a. Kevin. Welcome back. Thanks. Glad to be here. I got my socks hat on, my bees sweater on, I got a Sam Adams Boston lager, and I'm ready to go. Wicked awesome. All right, and joining us from the land down under, a land already skewered by the Simpsons, is Hamish. Hamish, welcome back. I, I had the shortest intro there. I got to work on more of a bigger intro or something. Well, but, well uh, okay, let, let me redo that. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't need an intro, I'm just saying. You know, that's all people need to know. So let's cue the didgeridoo, and uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I, I forgot this is a Simpsons thing. And because it was very broad in Simpsons, yeah, I gotta have a didgeridoo, I'm in the middle of the outback, and I'm drinking a beer the size of a small child. That's, that's what it's all about here in Australia town. I was gonna say, uh, yeah. <laughs> drinking a Foster's and waltzing with Matilda, <laughs> playing knifey spoony, <laughs> is Hamish. <laughs> is that supposed to be Australian? Good day, Hamish. <laughs> that's, uh, fair enough. Yeah, okay. I'll accept. <laughs> <laughs> or Vic Bitter, Vic Bitter, sorry. No, it's Carlton Draft. That's usually the, the, the typical standard down here in, in Australia town. And no Bloomin' Onion, right? That is a, that's an American creation? No, that's uh, the Blooming Onion is a uh, scientifically resulted effect where um, onions will just explode at random here in Australia. <laughs> that's where they got the name from, Blooming Onion. It's a, I like the, uh, the newest thing at, at Outback is the, uh, the towers. Have you seen those, Kevin? No. They they have a potato, like a hash brown, with a, a small filet of steak on top of it, and then some sort of stick. And on that, they put either uh, a, a tower of onion rings or like a shish kebab type thing with uh, grilled shrimp. <laughs> so it shows up on your plate like a foot tall. <laughs> I, I want to know, like, whoever was working marketing was like, we have all this food, but how can we give it to them in a different manner? Let's put it all on top of itself. That's how that should work. And we'll just, Larry, you, people Larry, in that you know about Australia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just thinking people in that meeting all stand up, all clapping as, as one, going, brilliant, he's worked it all out. <laughs> then he like, you know, hides a piece of paper under the desk with another idea called meat jacket. <laughs> They just say, that's how they have it in Australia. You guys just don't know because you haven't been there. And most people are like, oh, okay. I guess that's how they have food down there. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, that's like, I'm living here because this is where I live. Obviously, Australia. Obviously, yeah. because didgeridoo's in the background. You can't hear right now, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, stack it all up. That's how we deal with it down here in Australia. <laughs> Because uh, it's very cramped, I, from what I hear. So everything has to be stacked tall to uh, save yeah. space. Yeah, it's, we're, we're going vertical these days. Yeah, <laughs> Horizontal is out, all vertical. Well, anyway, uh, on February 19th, 1995, The Simpsons created an international controversy with the airing of the 16th episode of its sixth season, a classic episode entitled Bart vs. Australia. And in this episode, the Simpson family visits Australia, where they just poke fun at the culture, they encounter many stereotypical people and situations, and it ultimately ends with Bart's destruction of the entire Australian ecosystem. 
Uh, this episode received scathing reviews in Australia, and there was even an incident where some school teachers had their students write these letters of disapproval to the episode's writers. And of course, to discuss this episode with us, uh, and to answer all of our dumb questions, we had Hamish on the show, so please look for that in our archives. Uh, but now, over 20 years later, the Simpsons family finally visit where we live in Massachusetts, so for this week's episode of the podcast, we watched the third episode of season 28, entitled The Town. So uh, this is the, the third time we've now covered The Simpsons in some form, so there's really no need to go over the history of the show. You can find that in our Simpsons short Good Night episode that we did a few weeks back in our archives. But uh, yeah, this, is, this was great. Finally, The Simpsons visit Boston. Yeah, they get to go to your hometown, <laughs> and I guess you could say the shoe is now on the other side of the bitter table. <laughs> Wait, I got that wrong. Ah, my only chance to be cool, and I ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, the episode title, "The Town," that's a take on the uh, the Ben Affleck directed movie uh, that took place in Boston, kind of a heist film, I believe. Anybody yep. back me up on that? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry, just sound like we're just hanging out the <laughs> like nonsense anything. Just like ice film. Uh, um, yeah, it, it was it was a film where there was some heisting. Yeah, well, the the poster, or I should say, the little ad that they you know made for this episode that said the town featured three characters. We'll get to them in masks, and so I figured, okay, this whole episode is going to be a parody of that film. Unfortunately, I had never seen that film, so I figured a lot of things I'm going to miss. But uh, as we'll get through it, it really has nothing to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a lot to get to, but uh, now. Uh, Kevin and I are here to answer the, any dumb questions about where we live uh, that, that Hamish may have. Okay, so, wait, wait, wait. wait. I, I got a question first. Yes. What's the traffic like in Boston? <laughs> well, I will tell you this. On a good day, I can get from dropping the kids off to school to work in about, uh, on a really good day, about an hour and 50 minutes. That's... On a bad day, it's sometimes two hours, 45 minutes. Hmm. I'm not even joking. <laughs> that's that's insane. That's that's yeah. that's pretty crazy. But I can understand why. Because you guys have a lot of parking there. Like, you guys can park. Oh, yeah, tons. Oh, because yep. my, my assumption from every person from Boston is that they always pack the car at Harvard Yard. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to work that joke in somehow, and that was my only way in. That's and you did it. <laughs> but again, the, the, watching them, watching the episode and seeing the traffic, like really, like we have horrible traffic again to the city. Like usually the peak hours, morning and the afternoon, uh, and usually there's a road called Punt Road here in Melbourne, which is not great. Yeah, so I was looking at the episode and seeing like you know the traffic was bad. And I was wondering, is it actually that bad? Like I know how the Simpsons hype things up, but is it really that bad? It's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, and basically where I have to go is from uh, south of the city, and the town I've been working in is actually east of the airport, so the only way to get there is to go through the city, through the tunnel. Oof. So it's, yeah. So you have to go in, in to go out. And this is all post-Big Dig as well. That was a, a huge undertaking, which yeah. was going to alleviate a lot of this uh, traffic issue, but <laughs> alas, it has not. So what's the public transport like? Pretty good, actually. Yeah, it's, it's it's not too bad. I mean, we use it quite a bit if we actually have to go into the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if I go to a Red Sox game or something, I'll, I'll go to the T-Station in Braintree, which is, 
you know, south of the city, and then we'll just take the T, which is the name of the, the subway, uh, and we'll, we'll go right into the city from there. And, you know, you have to switch a couple of different lines and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, for the most part, not bad. Hmm. Yes, T, T for subway. Yeah, T stands for subway. <laughs> <laughs> well, train. Could be train. Eh? Yeah, it's uh, MBTA is the uh, the full full thing on that. Was it Mass Bay Transit Authority or something? Uh, yeah, let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> also, just quick, really quickly, um, uh, I was wondering about it because you know this is set in your hometown. Uh, what did the mayor Marty Walsh think of it? You know, I don't. Uh, first of all, that's great research on your part to look up Marty Walsh. Um, but yeah, no, I. I didn't hear anything from him. I know a lot of the local news outlets uh, were very uh, excited about this show. Uh, a lot of people very favorable. A lot of the, the places that were referenced were very excited, as we'll get into. But I haven't heard any comment from the mayor about it. Yeah, because I, I think it would like be a boom for um, you know, any kind of tourism to Boston. I mean, like, you know, mostly in Australia. If, if, there's, if there's any whisper about any film being made in Australia or any kind of uh, celebrity coming to Australia... You'll have the mayor come out and go like, guys, here's this celebrity in our fair city here. That's right, here in our country, in this city. <laughs> this city here is the one that he's at, not yours, but here. Uh, it's usually Sydney doing this. I mean, I'm not you know, bagging, <laughs> but it's usually Sydney kind of going like, guys, look, it's this guy here in Sydney. Lovely Sydney. Sydney with the greatest. Guys. The bridge? Sydney. <laughs> Sydney, uh, we're standing in front of the Opera House. I mean, it's just here. We just casually like to stand here. Make sure you get a wide shot with us and the Opera House. Sydney, here he is, the person who's popular, whatever. Sydney, us, here. Us. You know, that's, that's usually <laughs> what happens. Like, someone's just blown up his Twitter about it going, you know, guys, <laughs> the celebrities picked our fair city to talk about. <laughs> or come into or whatever like that. Um, so I was wondering, like, you know, if your mayor was, you know, bragging or going around the town telling people, like, guys, see a Simpsons episode? Yeah, I'm not sure because they, they do film a lot of movies and TV shows around here. So, mm -hmm. well, yeah, it is interesting. There's a lot of um, Boston based TV shows, like the TV show Fringe. Yeah. Oh, really? Wasn't I never watched it? You never watched Fringe? No. Wow. That was like the closest thing you guys had to Doctor Who. Yeah, it was pretty good. Huh. Yeah. It gets weird, but it's I know, but it's, not it's, bad. it's good weird. I mean, the last series yeah. was basically them having a, a victory lap, basically. You know, oh, yeah, definitely. They, they really didn't need that last series, but I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll do something. All right, so we got to get right into this episode. There's so much here. Uh, in fact, we know that there is so much here because we open with no couch gag or opening sequence. I, I can't remember the last time I saw anything like this in a Simpsons episode. Yeah, I was going to ask that because I, I haven't watched The Simpsons in years. But even, you know, having been that long, I was kind of surprised there was no couch gag because that, you know, was obviously a staple of every episode. Yeah, once I think they switched to high def in season 20, I believe. And they made a big deal of like a very elaborate opening sequence that looks, you know, beautiful, crystal clear, very sharp with the, the new animation. You know, so they've been having, and especially uh, they did one season with a lot of guest couch gags that were, get, you know, guest animators were doing them, like John Kay and Bill Plimpton and stuff. But no, this had no opening sequence, and that's not usual. Yeah, because I, I, there's so much information in this episode about <laughs> Boston. They just wanted to really give it back to the people. I guess so. And, and there's yeah. a lot of, of course, uh, Simpsons 
writers' rooms always have a lot of guys from Harvard who's, you know, they may not be originally from Boston, but their hearts are, are definitely there. And uh, Matt Selman, the executive producer, is a, is a local guy, and so is the, the writer of the episode, Dave King. So these guys really put a lot of things from their own childhoods, their own memories, and things that they love into this episode. So yeah, they just cram it full of references. And a lot of them got cut, by the way, too. Wow. Yeah. It's, they, put, they put so much effort into this episode, yet couldn't couldn't just pick up a book about Australia. Well, that, <laughs> I, I think that was the issue. I know, I know. Yeah, I know it's a different writer, but you know, just uh, just guys, really. Yeah, the, see the really? <laughs> see Oakley and Weinstein. <laughs> I, I think, and even was it David Merkin said for for the Bart versus Australia episode, they just picked up a travel guide and just kind of winged it and just put in a lot of things they thought was funny. So that's why you'll have uh, I forget his name, the guy from Mad Max, just running around and. Uh, <laughs> Crocodile Dundee is there. You know, every possible stereotypical thing they could think of at the time is just thrown into the episode. So, yeah, unfortunately, the Australia one is not so culturally sensitive. I mean, funny enough, if they did one thing, which is just call a random Australian, like Bart does in the episode, if they did that, called one random Australian, asked him a bunch of questions, would have solved a lot of problems. <laughs> but I don't want to harp on about Australia, the Australia episode, but... uh Get on with your jam-packed, information-fueled Boston <laughs> episode of The Simpsons. Well, one thing I do have to say, the Australia episode, they need to revisit that. I think it would be hilarious if there was an episode where they revisit Tobias Drundridge and, uh, and, and you know, see what has happened in the, in the years since and maybe take, a, take more of a more culturally sensitive look at, uh, at Australia as a whole, but still, you know, having fun in their normal Simpsons style anyway. No, I think my gag would be like, say, well, Australia, because they hated The Simpsons so much, have actually infiltrated American culture. That's why Wolverine is actually played by an Australian, and you know, <laughs> Thor is played by an Australian. We're slowly bleeding into your culture and taking over your TV with Australians until there are no more Americans on TV playing Americans. <laughs> All right, so in the episode, we open on the Simpsons at the dining room table. They're awaiting dinner. Marge brings in a tray of pot pies for each member of the family, including even one for the dog. Uh, pot pies, I, I think they originated in New England. Uh, it seems like a cold-weather colonial food. Uh, do you guys have pot pies in Australia? <laughs> you, you mean just pies or just, you know, food that you put into a pot? Yes, we, we do. <laughs> well, I'm sure you guys have, like, meat pies and stuff, right? Do you guys have Boston bun over there? No. You know, we don't have Boston bun. We have it here, and it's called no Boston bun. I'm not sh it's basically just like because um, you can buy it at Baker's Delight here in Australia. It's basically like if you had um, it's it's not too fancy. I'll put it that way. It's basically like a, like a like a bready kind of sweet bun, but then you put like uh, icing on top of it and some coconut shavings and things like that. <laughs> I sound crazy. God. Like, no, it's, it's called Boston Bun. I'm not sure exactly. It's, I'm just maybe just picking up the name of it. But, you know, maybe I'm being culturally insensitive right now. But, um, yeah, we have a, a thing called Boston Bun. I'll have to find a picture of it. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Never heard of it. And, well, of course, yeah, me neither. we don't have too I many mean, coconuts locally here, so. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, you say Boston isn't the coconut central? Like, maybe my no, I mean, pretty much, pretty much the coconut donuts at Dunkin' Donuts are, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's funny yeah but no we have, we have pies down in australia well like, you know pot pies i'm th thinking about you know like uh you bake them in the oven with a crust and everything and there's usually like meat like chicken 
peas, carrots inside with kind of like a, a gravy like, type. Yeah, like a gravy. Mm. Anyway. Mm. They're good. Mm. Yeah. But uh, the, the, my thing of the Boston bun, I think it's just basically the name of it. It's just like a kind of a pseudo-spiced bun. You can eat it. It's like, you know, kind of like you're with coffee You can snack. eat it? <laughs> yes. You can eat it. Huh. <laughs> Sometimes I got to state these things to people. It's like, wait, you can actually eat food in Australia? Um, yeah, basically, it's just like a, a bun. But like, yeah, we found it. I, I, again, I don't know what name Boston came from. Either it was a section of something or other. I haven't done the research. All I know is basically in at um, Baker's Delight here, which is basically a, a chain of bakeries around Australia. Uh, yeah, you can get a bun called Boston Bun. I mean, it probably has no reference to Boston itself, but hey, it's not a, not a bad piece of food. Nice. <laughs> so Homer is very impatient as Marge is passing out these pies. He he bites right into his and burns his mouth, even though Marge told him to let it cool first. I, I've been there. Yeah, you always got to let your pot pie cool. You got to cut that thing open for a while. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always you know kind of break the top crust and then kind of eat that part of it and let the rest of it cool down for a bit. <laughs> mm, pie techniques. This is what you learn yes. on the Hitting Play podcast. Exactly. Now, Marge knows Homer's very anxious uh, right now, but he's, he's trying to speed things up because he wants to get over to the bar to watch the football game. That's why he's acting like this. But she tells him, well, you got to put the kids to bed first. So we cut to Bart's room as Homer just drops all three kids on the bed, reads them the end of uh, The Wizard of Oz. He says, like, uh, everything after the tornado was a dream. The end. And then just drapes the blanket <laughs> over the kids' faces. And they're just... And they're still all dressed. <laughs> yeah, their shoes are still on. <laughs> Oh, that was just in Bart's room? Yeah. 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 Jabs onto one bed. <laughs> yep. That's, that's some good parenting runs. there. And, and it's funny because even this part, you know, it, it seems like a very Boston thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Sports are no joke around here, that's for sure. No. So uh, we next cut to Moe's Tavern. Homer parks with a screeching halt. And if you notice, his, uh, his car has the Springfield Adams flags attached to each front window. Cutting inside to the bar, we see everybody is uh, decked out in Adam's gear. There's Adam's pennants and banners. And uh, Mo, Barney, Lenny, and Carl are already sitting there watching the game. Uh, on the TV, we see that it's already halftime with the Boston Americans leading the Springfield Adams 10-7. to And Homer runs in late wearing his Adams jersey as well. And, yep, so and we see the, uh, the Duff blimp overhead as well. Oh, I didn't catch that. Which I wasn't sure if that was kind of a reference to the hood blimp. Yeah, it could be. We have the the hood blimp, which is, uh, hood is our, I don't know, local dairy, I guess? Yeah. Hmm. And so they have a blimp that goes over Red Sox games and other sporting events. But the Boston Americans, as we'll see, very much a take on the beloved, by us anyway, New England Patriots. Which, have you heard much about the New England Patriots, Hamish? Uh, on and off, here and there. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, we don't really, uh, I get to get too many American sports kind of just randomly bleeding into, uh, Australian news down here, unfortunately. I mean, unless they win something or whatnot, but, um, yeah, not, not too much, unfortunately. Like, you know who Tom Brady is? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's strange enough. I think the celebrity names of those guys, yeah, we know them enough. Tom Brady kind of surpassed just football player status. He's kind of one of those international celebrities now. Mm. Tom Brady is a god. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is going to be the painful part 
for uh, Kevin and myself. We'll have to get into this. Uh, Carl mentions that they can't lose again to these Boston cheaters. And uh, this is primarily a reference to two scandals surrounding the New England Patriots. We had Spygate in 2007 and Deflategate in 2015 onward. Why is it now, always our, Gate these days? That's, that's just the one side thing. It's like Deflategate. Like, you don't have to put the word gate. Just, like, make something else up. Don't say gate. <laughs> we know Watergate yep. made sense. Watergate made sense. But just putting gate at the end of any kind of scandal seems weird. Those are the only, like, official, you know, scandals. You know, there's always, you know, the you know the headsets yes. mysteriously cutting out and, you know, all these other <laughs> nonsense. The Patriots are accused of everything nowadays. But, Hamish, have you ever heard of uh, Spygate or Deflategate? Yeah, I heard about the Deflategate one, where, was it the Deflating the Ball? Was it for Better Grip or something like that? I'm trying to remember which, which way it was. Like, something like Deflating the Ball would give them better grip on the ball so they could throw it further or something along those lines. But, um, yeah, I, it, it's interesting because, like, you know, every time you have some sort of sports situation like this flare up, uh, for you guys it seems to be, like, some sort of tactical advantage. In Australia, I don't think we've got really anything close to that just yet. Like, you know, Deflating the Ball for... Uh, better skills. I mean, if you ever seen Australian football, you know it's a lot of running around, kicking, and uh, people getting dropped to the ground. <laughs> and you know, there's there's no armor or nothing. Just people getting smacked to the floor. Uh, but beyond that, I can't think. I mean, the only other the scandals are basically uh, players having private scandals. We'll say that you know, with certain teams nearly falling apart, basically uh, due to drug scandals, things like that. But yeah, like you guys, it seems like interesting that you know your your scandal was internationally known about the whole uh, Deflate Gate situation. Because I don't know if you guys heard much about what happens over here in Australia when we have scandals. I mean, yeah, no. we're, we're sharing scandals back and forth here and there. I mean, yeah, <laughs> who had the biggest scandal? <laughs> well, clearly Deflate Gate was the biggest one. It, it got so blown out of proportion. But I mean, each of these stories they can be talked about for days, weeks, months, and believe me, they were. If they you have listen, been. <laughs> yes, if you listen to our local sports radio, I mean, it, it still comes up. Uh, let me just explain briefly. Spygate started when uh, one of the Patriots' former assistant coaches took a head coaching job for the division rival team, the New York Jets. Mm -hmm. So now he was armed with this knowledge of Patriots' secrets. And so the first game of the season, Jets versus Patriots, he reported, hey, you know, the Patriots are secretly filming defensive signals on the sidelines because he knows that they were doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, the stupid thing about that story is you could legally record the opposition, just not from the sidelines. Right. So it was just a matter of where the camera was positioned. Mm -hmm. uh, but they were told not to do it, and they did it anyway. The team was fined, they, uh, I, or uh, Belichick was fined, right? A, a huge yeah. amount of money. They lost a first-round draft pick. It was an unprecedented punishment Oof. for the team. And, of course, it had devastating consequences because they went on to have the first 16-0 regular season in NFL history. <laughs> then uh, <coughs> lost the Super Bowl. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> And uh, Deflategate, though, way more complicated, uh, you know, as we talked about, mm. it, it was reported during the playoffs, uh, during the AFC Championship game, that the Patriots footballs were underinflated, which they can be, but they were deflated below the legal limit. And uh, complicating things even further, the air pressure measurements seemed consistent with how the air pressure would have behaved given those atmospheric conditions, because, you know, it gets cold around the time of the playoffs, 
And this was consistent with what's called the ideal gas law. And everybody in our area got really uh, an education in physics <laughs> when we talked about the ideal gas law on the radio all the time. And there was all kinds of investigations conducted. There was a, a commissioned report that was much debated. Brady uh, was suspended. Uh, then he appealed. He appeared in court. A ruling was made. Then it was appealed by the league. Then reversed. Ultimately, he gave up the fight. Decided he was just going to sit out the four games he was suspended for. And uh, just to kind of timestamp this recording, we're recording this on uh, October 16th. Uh, today is actually the first day that Brady played at home coming off that suspension. It really shows you how long the scandal has gone on for. Yeah, and some, somewhere along the lines, you know, the argument in court went from the actual deflation of the balls to basically the commissioner has, you know, the rights to basically do whatever he wants. So that's what the court turned into was it had nothing to do with the air pressure. It was just the fact that the commissioner can suspend, you know, him for however long he feels like it. Yeah. Wow, it sounds like you guys have very technical scandals. <laughs> Our one seems to be either I think only the quick two I can come, like, spring to mind is basically either anything that resulting in drugs or illegal gambling. That's it. Like yeah, within yeah. the sports industry, it's like you guys have this very specific like. Well, he deflated the ball to this degree, and let's talk about that for like a couple of weeks. Uh, the ball, you know, it's like you guys have so much more. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Like intrigue, we'll say. It was an interesting topic. I, I found it very fascinating, and mm. I'm not here to. To take sides on it, I will just quote what executive producer Matt Selman tweeted out during the episode. Mm -hmm. He said, Indisputable science has proven that the real-life New England Patriots are 100% not guilty of deflating other teams' balls. <laughs> <laughs> I took that the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. All right. So anyway, back, back to the episode. Mo can't stand the quarterback of the Boston Americans, a guy that he describes as a pretty boy who thinks he's just so handsome because he's drop-dead gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this character is modeled on Patriots quarterback and local hero, Tom Brady. And Brady did appear as himself in a Simpsons episode one time. So yeah, now Lenny mentions that the only reason why Boston beats them is because they cheat. He mentions listening in on their headsets, which is kind of a reference to what uh, Kevin had just mentioned about messing with the headsets. They are, they are accused of not necessarily, well, I guess kind of listening in, but interfering as well, which I, I, that was all kind of just debunked as equipment failure on the part oh, yeah, of the yeah, microphones league. in the locker rooms is another one oh, that's been right. accused of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also Lenny mentions... Fattening their cheerleaders. <laughs> and they even used a volleyball painted brown for three games the previous season. <laughs> it's like, how does that help? <laughs> so as he's going on about this, uh, we hear yelling from the other side of the bar in a Boston accent. That was never proven. And, uh, never proven, you Springfield screw job. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, that that's definitely changing the local language uh, to make it safe for TV because Screwjob definitely would not be uh, the word used there. It'd no. be a, uh, definitely a choice uh, four-letter word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm completely new to this uh, kind of language. What was that word? I just, I'm just going to write it down. What was the word he's trying to say? Uh, fork, I think. <laughs> okay. Fork. Just don't say it with the Boston accent. Yeah. Not on this show. 
Wait, aren't you already speaking in a Boston accent? <laughs> no, Kevin and I kind of escaped it, I think. Yeah. Oh, you, you're putting on that kind of broad faux accent where it's like, yo, if I, if I go to another country, I'll sound more Australian than ever. But, you know, if I'm talking to people in Australia, I sound like a human being. <laughs> wow. No, it's, it's, it's funny. There's definitely like sort of a Cape Cod accent, which doesn't really get the stereotypical Boston accent as much. I, and part of it was, you know, it's my parents were teachers. So I, I think, you know, kind of saying words correctly <laughs> <laughs> might have uh, played into it there so they, they weren't walking around with a cane or something were they it's like you better speak properly no no oh. <laughs> I, I mean i do I, I do say wicked you know quite a bit so you know like oh that was you know wicked awesome <laughs> stuff like that so you, you could be talking about a witch that's true Ooh, that witch is wicked but yeah definitely the closer you get to the actual city itself it it seems like the accent definitely (laughs) becomes more pronounced Mm -hmm. (laughs) so as you get you took like closer to the center yeah yeah of town just gets stronger and stronger it's like going to the center of the earth it's getting hotter down here it's like man these people are getting more and more bostonian actually what do you say (laughs) is it bostonian yes yeah yeah because in melbourne we're called melburnians that makes sense it sounds good. Yeah. Oh, by yeah. by the way, Melbourne and Boston are sister cities. Well, okay. Should mention that. <laughs> Could have started off with that. <laughs> See, won't, won't talk about won't talk about your sister city, will you? It's always about you first, and you know, then your sister city second. <laughs> God, there's no sibling rivalry here. No, because the Simpsons get all their facts from the correct sister and get all the things right but then with the other sister oh it's okay we'll just you know we'll just just make make it broad make it very broad (laughs) you were the older kid the parents didn't know what they were doing at first we're the baby and by now they they got it all down pat oh so we're a mistake right they weren't ready for us is that what you're trying to say (laughs) this is is typical i'm gonna i can't deal with this your episode was an expression of love that love was weird. <laughs> uh, all right, so back to the episode. We we cut to the other side of the bar where these guys were, were shouting from, and we see five Boston American fans wearing their team's gear, including one of the ladies in pink Boston apparel, which, I mean, they, they call people like that pink hats. I, I don't know if that, that kind of spread nationally with the uh, the pink gear, but I know, like, in Boston, people would make fun of people wearing the pink hats. Just kind of, like, saying that they weren't real fans. Like, they're just kind of the, the bandwagon jumpers that came on after the string of championships, you know? Especially with, like, the Red Sox. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> a negative term, you know, around here. You know, like, oh, a bunch of pink hats, you know? Yeah. Out there cheering for Larry Damon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Which, whatever, there, there's plenty of ladies that, that know their stuff and want to wear a hat in pink, so whatever. Yep. So, so you're saying a lot of people, if, like, the team's winning, they'll just jump on top of it and go, like, oh, yeah, we're bandwagoning. Oh, yeah. Basically those types of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We get the same thing, but it usually comes down with um, uh, a soccer. You know, if Australia's doing really well in the World Cup, it's like, oh, yeah, our, our team's doing amazingly well. Oh, we're so excited for it. We haven't cared for it for the rest of the year, but hey, oh, Australia's doing really well <laughs> in the World Cup. And as soon as we like get kicked out, it's like, oh, we're done. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, like the the people who do that around here, you know, but then it's, oh, no, I'm a diehard fan, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, the people who are real diehard fans that, you know, they'll call them on it. So, yeah. <laughs> How do you call on a diehard fan? Like, do you have to have like a, a, a facts and figures sheet? It's like, can you answer me what happened three years ago? You know, that kind of stuff. Usually they make it pretty obvious that they don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, Mo cringes at these people, and he says, oh, they're in town for the Dennis Lehane book tour. Now, uh, Dennis Lehane, he's a novelist from Dorchester, whose works include Gone Baby Gone, Shutter Island, Mystic River, all of which were turned into feature films. So I guess they, they needed to have a reason why all of a sudden, like, five Bostonians would show up at Mo's Tavern. Like, there's no reason for it, so that's why. They're here to see Dennis Lehane, <laughs> which is pretty funny. <laughs> So there's a lot of shouting. Lenny even says, go kiss a Kennedy, you rule-breaking cranberry squeezers. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, cranberry, very big industry here. Although being overtaken yep. by Wisconsin and uh, Quebec and even uh, Washington State. Shout out to Matt Nelson. Yeah. And, and I, it is cranberry season. I did see uh, the cranberries were floating on my way down to the Cape oh, uh, yeah. last weekend. Saw them this morning. Well, I didn't see any floating fruit, so I, I don't know what kind of day I'm having. Should you explain cranberry bogs to Hamish? Um, well, I, I, I'll put it this way: I, I understand the cran cranberries. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not that out of touch. It just seems like you two both saw cranberries this morning, and I didn't see anything here. It's like, oh yeah, I, I saw a kiwi fruit walking down the street. Yep, blooming onion. Uh, oh no, the onions are blooming. What a beautiful time of year. <laughs> it sounds like the most. <laughs> sounds like an American reporting in Australia. The onions are blooming. The didgeridoos are at the highest peak. And if you look over there, that's right. The beer is really foaming from the sewers. You know, just... <laughs> but in all seriousness, do you really see kiwi walking down the street? <laughs> yeah, if they come from, if they come from their country and they're just backpacking, sure. No, 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 not the birds or the New Zealanders. I'm talking about the fruit. Do you actually see it growing around? <laughs> um, it depends actually, because I had a um, at my parents' place. They have a, a, a had a, a vine in the backyard with the kiwis coming off it. You know, it wasn't intentional. I think it just kind of grew uh, out of, I guess, when they had a compost heap and some yeah. kiwis are growing in the backyard. So yeah, you can grow kiwis in your backyard. Uh, assumedly by mistake sometimes very cool we also have a lemon tree in the in the in the yard as well um we do eat lemons here in australia another simpsons reference well not raw we're not eating lemons raw <laughs> like 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 some sort of crazy person just to prove a point like the old man from shelbyville <laughs> was that turnip juice Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because the, the lemon tree was juice. apparently was was haunted. The lemon tree was haunted. An old glass of turnip juice. <laughs> so after Lenny starts uh, shouting this stuff, one Boston fan replies, "We don't cheat. We won twelve division titles in ten years, fair and square." <laughs> kind of impossible. And, and we should mention too that the voices of these uh, Boston American fans—they are uh, Dana Gould, I believe, who who had worked on The Simpsons. He's a, a stand-up comedian, a uh, local guy, as well as uh, Mike Mitchell of the uh, the the sketch comedy troupe The Birthday Boys. He's from Quincy, Massachusetts. So the Springfieldians are told that they're you know they're just jealous of all the championship rings, and they begin to mockingly kiss their knuckles, uh, <laughs> which I, I should say that's nothing I've ever witnessed. 
as uh, as yeah. as boastful as some of the Boston fans can be at times. I, I had never witnessed this. <laughs> yeah, I haven't either. It, and it, it's funny the accent on on that line when she's they're like, "Yeah, you dorks are just jealous of all our championship rings." The accent was like just not quite right. Well, you're complaining that the um, accent that they're using in the Simpsons episode didn't seem to match the the, the local area. No, they did pretty good for the most part, but it, every now and then, way better than, you know, your typical what you'd see in, in TV and film of people pretending to do the Boston accent. Um, I'm wondering because, um, do you see that Simpsons episode? Do you see Ellie's voices? I'm just harking back to that, any, any kind of complaint. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it was apparently just everyone, the... everyone in Australia sounds like some sort of New Zealander or some, some sort of Kiwi. Emergency. <laughs> Yeah, so so you say like, oh, that 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 one particular word didn't sound right. It's like, well, we had an entire episode that didn't sound right. <laughs> okay, yeah. fair enough. I sound very bitter. <laughs> god, but this you but sound this Vic seems... bitter. Oh my god, I didn't <laughs> see that one coming. <laughs> so this, this this seems to be like the you know, the part two of me complaining about a Simpsons episode or something. <laughs> <laughs> But but no, Kevin's right. You know, a mm. lot of times uh, you'll see on TV where someone is doing a Boston accent, and f- to the rest of the country, it might seem like, oh yeah, it's Boston, B- Bostonian character, whatever. But here, you can like really detect, like, oh no, that doesn't sound authentic at all. Mm-hmm. I think the most egregious example of that is Julianne Moore in Thirty Rock. Yeah, great actress, but I could not stand her character arc because that voice was so bad. <laughs> Well, Alec Baldwin, he did a bit of a Boston accent. Did that work for you, or it was a little bit too weird? Uh, it wasn't as bad. Yeah, you know? it definitely That's wasn't as bad. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so now we cut later into the evening. Uh, everyone in the bar is watching the game very intently. Boston is down 21-17 to 17 with 10 seconds left in the game, and Boston has the ball on 4th and 17. And Moe is clutching his shotgun in eager anticipation. I don't know what he's going to do to celebrate. And... <laughs> The announcer, making reference, of course, you know, everyone's talking about Tom Brady's good looks. So he says, the QB handsomely takes a snap. He sexily steps back to pass and with God-given good looks, fires it downfield. But the quarterback throws it to an empty spot downfield, much to the Boston fans' disappointment. But the ball is caught by the Boston Americans mascot, Flappy the Flag, who runs it in for a surely illegal touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> I was Which, yeah, that was another another sort of not really a scandal, but just sort of it, Patriots are sort of known for exploiting loopholes in the rules of the game. So <laughs> yeah, well, that specifically references the game before the Deflate Gate happened. Right, you know, that right, was that with the eligible receiver. Yeah, and it was this thing about the uh, the Patriots made uh, or to- the Patriots told the referee that the this person here, this person here, they're going to be eligible receivers for this play. And as long as the referees took note, I guess they're, that's the rule. It's legal. And the the Ravens were not prepared for that. And, of course, they easily scored a touchdown. And I think they even try to challenge the, the rulings on those things uh, in the offseason as well. Yeah. <laughs> and there was definitely a line earlier that cracked me up that hit more knobs than a hardware store. I <laughs> yes. love that. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, that was definitely, you know, growing up, something that, you know, we'd call some kids, oh, the kid's such a knob. (laughs) 
and saying that is uh, Mike Mitchell's character, whose name is Jay. He does have a name. So we cut to the referee's ruling after an official review. He said that Flappy the Flag is listed on the Americans' 53-man roster and reported eligible. So the touchdown is good, and Boston beats Springfield 23-21. to And uh, as the team celebrates, the announcer mentions how, you know, that'll put a smile on Coach Bonderchuk's face. And as we cut to the coach, he stoically pulls the hood of his gray sweatshirt over his head. He kind of yanks on the drawstrings. This, of course, is a parody of our, our beloved coach, Bill Belichick. <laughs> I love the picture of him where he's just, you know, got that serious look on his face. And, you know, the text on it just says, let's party. <laughs> it just cracks me up every time. <laughs> and you do kind of you get a little bit of a glance here. You know, the stereotype that Boston hates everybody that's not, you know, from Boston and, you know, just to put it out there, that's not true. We just hate everyone from New York and Roger Goodell. <laughs> Speci- and the Lakers. Specifically? Yes. <laughs> All right, fair enough. You guys are pretty hard to please. God. <laughs> I have no idea how we became sister cities, but, you know, I don't know what we did. And to clarify, I love hitting play listeners from wherever. Do you like cats that listen to hitting play? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's ever been mentioned in an episode, but Kevin's cat, Jeff, has uh, tried to sabotage too many recordings for me to uh, welcome cats to the podcast. So that's why this podcast is broadcast on the higher frequency for dogs. That's correct. Uh. (laughs) Woof woof. (laughs) Was that that a shout out? So, anyway, back in Moe's Tavern, the Boston fans are all celebrating. Homer yells at them that they cheated, but one yells back, You gotta cover the mascot! Use your noggin! Play smart! Flappy's on the Rasta! And they they all begin to chant now, On the Rasta! On the Rasta! And we fade back to the Simpson home the next morning where Homer is still furious as he's getting dressed for work. He tells Marge that if he ever won, he'd be class all the way. And he's just going to lose it on the next Boston fan he sees. And of course, now Homer walks into the kitchen to find Bart eating breakfast, wearing a Boston American's cap. Oh, and with a, that, that, that Bart Simpson, he's incorrigible. Uh, uh, <laughs> God, what a scamp. He truly is. Uh, and with a smirk, Bart remarks how, oh, it was a tough loss for your guys, uh, saying, I guess we wanted it more. Bart taunts Homer, saying that his Boston Americans are six-time Mega Bowl champions, and begins to kiss his knuckles. <laughs> yeah, I will say the only time, you know, I've ever gotten any crap for wearing a Red Sox hat was in New York City and actually in Denver. Those are the only two places. And, you know, the the band I was in, you know, we went on tour out on the West Coast, kind of, you know, drove from out here in, we started in Maine, drove cross-country, uh, you know, up up the West Coast and then back. And yeah, those are the only two places that <laughs> I ever got crap for it. I wonder why Denver? Uh, it ha- Well, when it happened in Denver, that was right after we uh, beat the Rockies in the World Series. Okay, all right. So. Hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> yep. Actually, a quick side note. Um, if you notice in the episode, the animation looks a little bit more um, classic-y. How do you say Classic Simpsons, if you noticed. Yeah, like like Homer, uh, ha- Homer fact, has like more of an animated. Um, if you remember, like in the, in the older episode of Simpsons, when Homer got angry at something, he had a kind of like flowing animation blur to himself. If you notice in this new series, yeah, he actually has more of a fluid animation style to him. His look, if you've noticed, 
I don't know what they've changed. Matt Selman did call that out. I'm going to try to find the tweet yeah. here. Because this is something I noticed, because when Homer was getting angry, it's like, hey, that looks like some classic animated like Homer Simpson rage. That looked like it was from series three or four-ish, you know. And his color palette looks a little bit more yellow than it normally does. This is just a weird side note, because I was like, that kind of, I think it was a couple of seasons or more ago, the animation looked kind of, like, crisp, but a little bit too stilted and a little bit too, like, they weren't trying to animate anything fluid. It was just kind of like, they were animated, but not with a kind of emotion blur drawn into it. Yeah, and Matt Selman tweeted out, Amazing old-school expressive character animation by director Rob Oliver. Yeah. So, yeah, good good catch, Hamish. Yeah, there we go. That's uh, that's what happens when you watch a lot of TV. <laughs> Wait, that, that sounds pretty sad. This is what happens when you analyze episodes of a television series. Yeah, there you go. That sounds a lot better. A lot better. So, anyway, Homer now tries to grab Bart's hat. He even reverts to bull-like behavior as Bart holds it in front of him like a matador, but Homer is fooled and runs out the door, where he instead charges Ned Flanders along with Rod and Todd. <laughs> it was a pretty funny scene in the background. <laughs> so, cutting to later that day, Bart exits elementary school, still wearing the Boston hat. Homer angrily pulls up to the curb to pick him up, telling him to get in, and, and he's going to try to attempt to win Bart back over. He's driving him around Springfield by the, the Adams Stadium, trying to convince him to support his hometown team, which he mentions were stolen in 2003 from Portland in the middle of the night. <laughs> don't know how that works. Now, this is actually a real reference uh, to the March 1984 incident where the Baltimore Colts moved to Indianapolis via a fleet of 15 moving trucks in the middle of the night. So, yeah, this is a real thing, Hamish. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, from, the, from the, the version that sounds like Homer's telling, it sounds like they kidnapped them and moved them overnight. But, do you, like, but the reality <laughs> seems even more insane. It, it really is. It's worth yeah. looking up. Is it, is it 15 moving trucks? 15, yeah, Mayflower moving trucks. Like, they hired a bunch of moving trucks? Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, let's just move all this stuff uh, from one place to another. No yeah. one will ever suspect it. This was so, back in the day when they could get away with such a thing. It's like someone looking at a list going, all right, you need how many trucks? 15. Okay, for what location? Oh, it's going to, to, to the same location. What's this about? I just want to, you know, just, just off of, what, are you, what are you guys moving there? You know. <laughs> boxes. <laughs> just a lot of boxes. So Homer next drives him through town where Springfield residents like Apu and Sideshow Mel give Bart a hard time for wearing his hat. But Bart is not convinced, and he tells Homer that Boston is the Bart Simpson of cities, and the awesome Southies in the movie The Departed are his people. And Bart cites the Boston Tea Party as the city's first Bart-like act, and that was uh, what he calls a prank that started a country. And Homer makes one final heartfelt appeal to Bart to ditch the hat, so he jumps out of the car, runs away, but not before putting a large Boston American sticker across the passenger door, and uh, Homer unfortunately cannot peel it off. <laughs> Get it off before God sees! <laughs> <laughs> I just like how Bart had one, just in case. Yeah. yeah. Apparently he was, he was prepared for this entire car ride, this entire situation, and got one made. <laughs> And I just love Homer writes free car on the windshield <laughs> because he can't get it off. Just abandons it. But I like how he specifically has like a, a white uh, marker, though, for the windshield. Yes. Like, it wasn't black, yep. so no one could see it. He actually had a white one. Like, just in case he ever needed to sell the car very quickly. <laughs> 
Now, Hamish, have you ever heard of the Boston Tea Party? Uh, no, I don't read history books, and I've never watched an episode of a TV show where they go back in time and try and stop the Boston Tea Party situation. No, <laughs> ever. It didn't come up on Quantum Leap or anything? No, yeah, that's that's never happened. I've never seen an episode of The Simpsons where they actually directly <laughs> reference the Boston Tea Party. <clears throat> Or have I ever watched episodes of other shows where they've gone and done this exact same thing? No. Never. <laughs> ever. Ever. I mean, what is tea? <laughs> oh, boy. We got a lot to explain then. Yeah. <laughs> That's no. okay. I'm sure they'll do an episode of Timeless about it. So. <laughs> uh, no, I, I've, I've heard about it. Yes. Okay. Which, uh, in fact, <laughs> so, you- it's, so it's like, you just ask me a random tree. Like, do you know about this? It's like, yes. Okay, well, Do you guys have cars? <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry for asking. Well, no, don't be sorry for asking. It's just, it's just one of these interesting things where, um, I, I bet about, I, again, talking about cultural awareness, where uh, they always keep doing this thing to Americans recently where they talk about American history, like, you know, do you know when the Civil War was? Who won the Civil War? And they talk to these people and they find the... Yeah, you know, most idiotic people who have no idea who won the Civil War. <laughs> and then they cut it together to make it seem like, oh, everyone's an idiot here in in America. Uh, Australia had the same thing. There's a, some guys went to Australia and they had like this, you know, map of Australia saying like, do you know where, you know, uh, cities in Melbourne or cities, cities in Melbourne. It's a city of Melbourne. Uh, where <laughs> states in Australia were. But like they assume that, you know, a, a lot of Americans only follow like, a, like their own history. And other countries outside just kind of follow a lot of like like we we get taught a lot about American history in um, school, and so you know we've we've learnt bits and pieces about your culture and your people. Interesting, yeah. So <laughs> it, it's 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 funny. All the um, most major events from America, yeah, we've kind of heard about here in Australia. I mean, you know, we we get them in one form or another, but yeah, we 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 learn enough about what's going on with you people, <laughs> you no. people, <laughs> you people. Nice, <laughs> nice, beautiful end to that that very nice statement. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> hey, I'm your oldest sister. <laughs> I get to make the rules around here. Now, now Kevin, did you ever do the uh, the Boston Tea Party like recreation for like a school field trip or anything? No, I don't think we did. <laughs> they br- they brought us to Boston, and I I, for- I forget what I was in like third grade or something. Mm. They bring you out on a boat, mm-hmm. and they have these big like foam crates of tea mm-hmm. that are like attached by ropes. And because the the uh, the the was it the Sons of Liberty that mm. that carried yeah. out the Boston Tea Party because they disguised themselves as Native American as the story goes yeah. they give you each a <laughs> they give you a feather to wear on a headband mm-hmm. which probably not the most culturally sensitive thing I don't, I don't know if they still do it mm. and they they have you chant dump the tea and the kids go into the sea and they. <laughs> I don't think they even let the kids do it. They might. I can't, I can't remember. But the, you throw the, the crates of tea mm. into the into Boston Harbor. And mm. then once all the kids leave, they probably just yank them all back onto the boat. But anyway, mm. <laughs> that was my Boston Tea Party experience. The Boston <laughs> Tea Party experience. <laughs> like they, It's an experience. Oh, it's, it truly is. Have you ever thrown boxes of things into water? It's an experience. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually do wonder what that water tasted like. Salty. Sal- yeah, salty tea. Some, some salty tea going on here. I'm like sure. Vegemite, probably. <laughs> oh, that's that's the reason. That's I want more of it then. Man, I gotta get some of this salty tea into me. But then again, I'm assuming there's some sort of hipster culture where they're putting salt instead of sugar into their tea. So uh. I'm, I'm assuming anything goes these days. So gotta get some of that salt tea into me. So anyway, from... 
from here, we cut to that night in Homer and Marge's bedroom, and Homer is just rambling on and on about how much he hates Boston. And Marge tries to distract Homer with romantic advances, but when he looks at her, all he can see is, like, the Boston Americans logo, like, making up her hair. And he looks over at the laundry basket where everything turns into red socks, like the, uh, the Red Sox logo. The lamp becomes a can of Boston baked beans, and Marge now turns into the Tom Brady-like quarterback who leans in for a kiss and tells Homer to do his job. Which is sort of the uh, <laughs> mantra of the Patriots is, do your job. Yeah, that became an official slogan. Yeah. <laughs> I just worry about, like, Homer has a lot of problems, but explaining that to uh, Marge, it's like, oh my god, Marge, everything turned to Boston Rail and Material, and you turned into a man. <laughs> that that I I would feel very bad for Marge in this situation where it's like, excuse me, this does not help the relationship any further than it really needs to go. <laughs> well, I mean, you think back of all the times where, like, you know, uh, Marge and the family turned into clowns from Homer's perspective. So it's happened before. She's probably used to it by now. So anyway, uh, Homer screams, and we cut to the next morning where he's called a family meeting in the living room, and we know that it is a family meeting because Homer has written it on the large easel pad that he has set up next to the couch. <laughs> it's very official. Yes. <laughs> so Homer tells Bart there's nothing he could do to not make him love him, so he must show him the error of his ways, and he next slaps a stack of airline tickets down on the coffee table, and uh, we see that they are tickets from Springfield to Boston on the airline Southeast. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, actually, uh, there was one part, like when they're still in the bedroom, and he goes on the rant about the Boston cream pie. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it, Homer starts talking about, you know, the Boston cream pie, and Hamish, do you guys have those out there? Yes. We, okay, we cool. have it in some form um, or another, unless we've re re you know, labeled it something else. Yeah, like everything gets relabeled yeah. when it goes overseas. Uh, so those, I guess, are, uh, originated at the Parker House Hotel mm -hmm. um, out here. And I guess the reason it, it's called a pie is because the colonists didn't have cake pans. They just had pie tins. So early on, you know, it was, you know, baked in, in a pie tin and... It was actually referred to as a pudding pie cake originally, but, you know, that's <laughs> too much to say, I guess. So they just kind of Boston cream pie. So Oh, interesting. I never knew that. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. I'm a fan. Oh, it's, it's, it's interesting <laughs> yeah. for, um, you know, for another food fact. Also, yes. isn't the Fig Newton named after a Boston suburb? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, there good is question. There is, Newton, there is Newton out here. So yeah. yeah. This is a fact I heard a while ago about the Fig Newton because like, okay. why is it well, called that? Now we got to look it up. <laughs> it's not a cookie. <laughs> Wait, was that supposed to be an Australian accent? No, no, it's the commercials for for fig newtons. Uh, you know, the the two the like kids would be eating them, and the you know the parents would be like, "Stop eating those cookies!" And they'd be like, "It's not a it's not a cookie. It's a fig newton." Because yeah, I remember it from the song that um was it Homer's mom sings to him before he goes to sleep. <laughs> I can't think of uh, what is that. Something something gooey inside. Put the inside on the outside. I'm looking it up right here. Hamish, you are correct. It, it Fig Newtons are named after Newton, Massachusetts. I did not know that. Hey, I get two points. You do learn American history in school. <laughs> <laughs> well, not about cookies, but yeah, this is a fact just from a while ago. Again, I think it was from the episode of, um, yeah, uh, with um, Homer's mother singing that song. It's like, this is a Fig Newton. Because we don't really have them here in Australia. I think either it is something else kind of like it around here, but I can't figure out the uh, equivalent of it. 
But um, yeah, I had to. I looked up years ago and found out like, oh, it's called this because these reasons. Okay. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why you would want a Fig Newton when you've got you know such a plethora of Tim Tam out there. I know. We got the Tim Tam. We got the wagon wheel. We got the Kit Kat. We've got the Twix. I mean, you guys have Twix, but you know, it's it's still we got it's, Kit yeah, Kats, it's still pretty too. much like a biscuit, like that Twix. If they made that Twix the size of like a, a proper biscuit or cookie, that would be enough. That'd be crazy. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, Marge calls this a, a vacation, but Homer corrects her, calling it a hatecation. It's a, a vacation that will allow him to say, told ya, and fill him with delicious rage. And uh, Bart tells Homer that he's going to love the trip right in his face. <laughs> so Marge says, well, Boston can't be that bad. And we smash cut to a beautiful cityscape of Boston, accompanied by pleasant music. And uh, if you notice, it, it it's autumn. You can see the the trees are, yep. are are changing. And same thing in Springfield. I, I forgot to mention that too. When we cut to the Simpsons' house, we see that the leaves are turning color around where the Simpsons live. Uh, this is one of those rare times where you do see a season. Also, I think uh, the autumn weather affects that table because it was kind of floating in the air in that last scene. Oh, yeah, you pointed that out to me, Hamish. That was yeah. very interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's just a weird thing I noticed. I was like, oh, because, like, the, I don't know, maybe they framed it incorrectly, or maybe it's because they put the table in there in a weird manner. But it's kind of, it, it's not, it's on, like, not really on the floor, but it's kind of, if you look at it, look at it, it's kind of pushed up towards Marge and Lisa, but, like, the way it looks, looks like it should be cutting into their legs in a weird way, and it's kind of yeah. hovering off the floor. It's almost as if the cell was shifted, but of course they don't use cell animation for it yeah. anymore, so it's just, it's just very weird. Yeah. It's, it's nothing either. I think they digitally put it in the table, but they didn't frame it properly, or they're you know, a little bit too quick to get this episode out the door. So uh, we see this cityscape of Boston, very nice music. But before that, um, on the uh, cityscape, you actually see the Mayflower 2 out in the, in the water. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't yep. catch that. Yeah, and... Uh, little history on that uh it's actually going to be heading out for repairs in another week or two as i guess the the hull's starting to rot out and stuff like that mm -hmm. and mayflower 2 was 1957 it was a gift from england for uh basically kicking butt in world war ii huh yeah oh uh, it's my sister-in-law cool. actually works on that uh on the ship as a pilgrim really yeah oh that's funny so yeah, hamish if if you go to this uh replica of the mayflower which the the pil first pilgrims to well, I shouldn't say the first pilgrims, but the uh, the the first pilgrims to our area <laughs> yeah. came over on. Uh, it, it's it's pretty funny because they the the people that work there, you know, they they act in character, and you can talk to them and stuff. And mm. it, yeah, that's that's pretty great. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of um, uh, was it? Uh, I I've just blanked on this the name of the place. Mad Max. Yeah, like it's Mad Max because there's a Mad Max <laughs> town here in Australia uh, where everyone acts very yeah. Mad Maxian, and yeah, you know, there's no food, no water, but they kind of go g'day and they throw rocks at you. No, there's um uh, a place in Bendigo. Basically, it, it's uh, called Sovereign Hill. There we go. Uh, it's basically kind of uh, uh, you know a theme park uh, more or less, but uh, it's called Sovereign Hill. It, it's more or less to look like the gold rush era of Australia. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the, everyone there, yeah, is in costume, has, uh, you know, the characters that they play. And, you know, you walk around the town in your normal future outfit while they're walking around in, you know, you know, waistcoats and hats. And, you know, you can walk into stores and things like that and actually have the same character. And, you know, talking about, you know, wow, tell us about the gold in this place. And you actually can go gold panning, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, they have an interactive uh, feature at night called Blood and the Southern Cross. 
where it reenacts the battle between the miners and the army about miners' rights. Hmm. Yeah. And do you know how long that battle lasts? No. It lasts around about half an hour or less. <laughs> wow. <laughs> from what I remember from history. Because, again, it's the army against miners. So, it, it didn't really pan out so well. Oh, nice, nice pun. Oh! <laughs> and these were little kids, right? <laughs> what? Like, fighting, fighting <laughs> the army? No. Yeah. No. They were miners. Uh, I have to leave. <laughs> no. No wonder why they won so quickly. Yeah, no. Anyway. Actually, well, I, I, got an, I, so, I, I, man, I did read a weird fact about it. this. If, if we're going to make weird jokes, uh, did you know molasses flooded the north end of uh, Boston? Yes, yes, that is yeah. true. Sorry, this is one of the facts. I was like, wow, that would be an incredible sight. Yeah, well, it, it even killed people. It's not even funny. Yeah. It's It was scary. Scary yeah, just, uh, bad? Yes. <laughs> Scary delicious. <laughs> oh, my God. Brian's been killed by molasses. But he looks so oh. delicious. <laughs> no, it was... That's not even funny, guys. It's It was <laughs> okay. a real thing. It's... Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. I read about that and just, it just gives me chills to think about being trapped in molasses. Yeah. I made a point. Uh, I had some friends from Denver out here, and they wanted to walk the Freedom Trail. And I made a point of uh, while we were showing them around, going off the trail to show them that this is where the molasses flood was. Yeah, mm. yeah, very weird, but yeah, a real incident in the history of Boston. Yep. Oh, yeah, but that happened. Was it in the nineteen ninety ish nineties nineteen nineties nineteens nineteen? Sorry, no. <laughs> I'm I'm saying it wrong because my brain is being stupid. Uh, I think 1919. <laughs> that's it. That's what I'm just trying to say. Not 1990s. Yeah. That'd be that'd be too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 90s, mal- the 90s molasses. You can watch it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> uh, I'm making a ham of this. So we get that cityscape of Boston. The camera immediately pans down. It splashes through the harbor, past what Matt Selman described as the famous Boston Harbor sunfish. Are you aware of this, Kevin? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> It's a baby whale. Yeah, what was that? Was that was that a, a viral video? Yeah, yeah. It was basically <laughs> this dude was out fishing and they came across a sunfish and he just, you know, in total Boston accent, just going nuts thinking, you know, they had found a baby whale, Jay. <laughs> we got to call the aquarium. <laughs> it's It's pretty amusing. It's worth... You know, looking up the video if you if you get a chance. They yeah, I think they had that guy on like Jimmy Kimmel and stuff like that. Oh, that's afterwards. right, that's right. Yes, they um, did. I know they had him on uh, sports talk radio doing the uh, you know like the news segments and stuff like that, like reading off the sports scores and stuff. Wow, that guy was living the high life. <laughs> oh yeah. So he he found it was a sunfish. Yes. <laughs> And he was convinced it was a baby whale. <laughs> so then he gets paraded around like a moron? What is this? Yep. It's like, here's that guy. He doesn't know, doesn't know what fish look like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how do you agree to appear in the show when you know they're probably going to make fun of you? It's like, did they just grab him from the street and like, we need him on the show. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> probably gave him some money. Here's some money. Now tell us how stupid you are. <laughs> That's not a Jimmy Kimmel impression, but yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely worth checking out the video, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
it's stuck in somebody's mind over there at the Simpsons, and the, the sunfish did get its three frames of fame here. Uh, it also uh, pans past uh, some crates of tea, another reference to the, the Boston Tea Party. And once we go through the harbor, we get down to the gridlock traffic in the exhaust fume-filled tunnel below. And, Looks like uh, 93 South. Yes, exactly. And, and if you look at the graffiti on the wall, you'll notice a logo for our local comic book store chain, Newberry Comics. Wow. As well as a shamrock holding a beer, which I, I guess could be a reference to the Celtics, but probably just a, a reference to <laughs> Southie in general. Probably, yeah. Also, how deep is that tunnel? Like, Is that, is that like, like a major uh, undertaking that they uh, made for that underground tunnel? The Big Dig, yeah. Would you say it's like it's, yeah. it's really deep underground? Oh, yeah. Uh, it goes directly under the, the water. It goes under buildings. So, like, 90 feet below the Earth's surface? Uh, I don't know how far down it is, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I have no idea. Interesting. It was a major undertaking. I, they had billboards uh, during the whole project, which lasted a very long time, very expensive, kind of controversial locally. But they, I just remember one billboard for the Big Dig that said, Rome wasn't built in a day. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I'll stop Thanks. honking my horn. Rome wasn't built in a day. Very, very, very general kind of thing to say. It's like, hey guys, Rome wasn't built in a day. But yeah, the uh, the traffic, the traffic in the tunnel, that's definitely accurate. When I was talking about how long mm. my commute was, mm -hmm. that's I sit in that tunnel on my way to work and on my way back every day. So, and you do not roll down the windows. No, definitely yeah, not. Yeah, it's like um, uh, for a smoky hole that's underground. Yeah, you don't want to be in there. You don't don't want to be absorbing that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I will say it's not as bad, you know, fume-wise as it used to be, but it's, yeah. <laughs> Windows up. <laughs> now, uh, we see that the Simpsons are, are caught in this traffic. A guy pulls in front of them. Uh, he has, what, some mattresses strapped to the top of his car? Yep. And uh, he throws a Dunkin's Donuts iced coffee through their window. <laughs> As he yells, move your garbage car. I got to get to the packy before the bees drop puck. <laughs> that was my favorite line in the entire episode because that is that is Boston. Yes. What, throwing cups through windows. So many things. Oh, the, the whole thing. You know, just calling him, you know, a garbage car and having to get to the packy before, the, you know, the and game starts. Fact, his car has a mattress and on top of it. <laughs> yes you do see that especially you know like right around uh, usually around like uh either the end of the month or the beginning of the month <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so it's quite often that people are strapping mattresses to the top of their cars well you got to move from one apartment to the next wow <laughs> <laughs> after you get evicted i suppose <laughs> And also, it should be noted that uh, he was drinking iced coffee in the fall, which yes. seems a little out of season, but that's how nope, that's we do, how we do it. Yeah. We also eat iced a lot of coffee ice, all year round. Ice cream as well. Mm. Yep. Uh, also, uh, I, I believe this is Michael Chiklis doing the voice mm. of this guy, who is a, a, a local guy, also famous for playing the thing in one yep. incarnation of the Fantastic Four. The thing. The thing. Yeah. Oh, you mean the other thing? It's either this thing or another, another yeah. thing. Well, I mean, I saw him in that thing, The Shield. That was pretty good. That was a good thing. I'll say he's in That the, was a thing. But he was the yeah, thing he was twice, also in the too. Gamish. That was a good thing he was in. Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me just explain. Let me just explain some of the, the references here, too. Uh, the the bees, bees puck drop, Boston Bruins hockey, you know, opening face-off puck drop. Uh, he wanted to be in time for the Bruins game, but he wanted to get to the packy. And that's a, a local term for the package store, which is what we call liquor stores around here. How did you get to that? 
Like, how, how do you... What? <laughs> I mean, in Australia, if we go to a, a place to get some alcohol, uh, you either can call it the Bodlo. <laughs> that's, that's actually yeah, a better I name. I like the Bodlo to get myself a yeah. you know, couple of tinnies. You know, <laughs> cans of alcohol from a shop. Um, but yeah, yes. how do you get to... I, how? <laughs> so, I'm just trying to think of the subtraction of how. Because everything has to be in a brown paper bag? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, because, like, that, I, that's... Yeah. I, of course, all I get is all the local package stores <laughs> on Google. That's right. <laughs> the answer is hidden in mystery. It's like, why is it called the bubbler? <laughs> <laughs> okay, from, from one source, it says that... Uh, a liquor store is the American and Canadian name for a type of convenience store which sells alcohol. Uh, in some parts of the U.S., a liquor store is called a package store oh. or packy. You know, it's a, the nickname for short. In alcohol beverage controlled states, package stores often sell only distilled spirits or sometimes sell distilled spirits and wine but not beer. Uh, these are, may be called ABC stores, but the term package derives from the fact that uh, following the repeal of Prohibition in 1933, a political compromise was reached with leaders of the temperance movement, whereby containers of alcoholic beverages could not legally be carried in public uncovered from view. Thus, stores that sold alcohol for consumption elsewhere wrapped or packaged them for their customers' convenience. Uh. So that's what, you know, no containers out in public, you got to wrap them up in packages, so the stores are called packies. Nice. Yep. Yep. They actually do it for you. How classy. So anyway, Homer and Marge, the kids, they're all covered in, in Dunkin's Donuts. Of course, a play on Dunkin' Donuts, uh, that iced coffee. And Homer is kind of happy because right away he's seeing Boston is terrible, like he said. So he says, told ya, and we cut to commercial. So at this point, the show goes into a commercial break. So why don't we take this opportunity to take a commercial break ourselves? We'll pay some bills and we'll be right back. Okay, son, I'm going to teach you about opera music today. Here are the three tenors. Oh, these guys are so lame. Why can't we listen to something more manly? <laughs> Hold on, kid. Who says that music from yesteryear can't be awesome and manly? Forget the three tenors. We're bringing you the three Conans, everyone's favorite barbarian, and his two identical twin brothers. Listen along to their hit song, I Am Conan, as they smash their way into your hearts and your eardrums. I am Conan, hear me roar, with muscles too big to ignore. And I don't know too much, that's why I must pretend. Cause I've heard it all before, while doing push-ups on the floor. No one's ever gonna keep me down again. Whoa, that is manly. <laughs> you bet it is, kiddo. Just wait till you hear the next verse. And I come back even stronger. Not a Mongol any longer. Cause you've deepened the conviction in my soul. And oh yes, I am wise. But it's a wisdom born of pain. Doom, your head is not remaining. <laughs> if I have to, I can't face anything. I am strong. Thanks, voiceover guy. You saved the day again. I will kill anything. 
I am strong. I am strong. I am invincible. I am invincible. I am strong. I am formidable. I am strong. I am nutritional. I am strong. I am invisible. And we're back. All right, so when we return, uh, we open on a beautiful shot of Faneuil Hall and Quincy Market, and uh, we see that the Simpsons are out walking around the city, along with uh, a, a Cheers-like piano theme here. And Homer <laughs> stops to point out that Bostonians aren't ugly, but they aren't sexy either. Hmm. That's pretty funny. Now, uh, Faneuil Hall, Quincy Market, Kevin, I'm sure you've been there many times. Oh, yeah. Same here. And uh, Hamish, do you remember I sent you that Newberry Comics variant of Spider-Man number one? Oh, yeah, you did. And in the background, that building, that that is uh, Faneuil Hall. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. But also, you sent oh. me a, a Fenway Park <laughs> um, guide. 100th Anniversary Magazine. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I was worried you were going to say that he sent you a Fenway Frank. <laughs> like, oh, don't. <laughs> might not be good after it's shipped. <laughs> don't eat it. It's ornamental only. <laughs> wait, wait. Do we need it? Oh, God. <laughs> no wonder I've been having hallucinations. So, uh, in this scene, we get a couple of uh, gags and references. Uh, they're, they're in front of Quincy Market. How would you, exp- how would you describe Quincy Market, Kevin? Uh, it's sort of like, I don't know. There's like a big, uh, was it granite building kind of in the middle and a bunch of shops kind of along both sides of it. Uh, cobblestone all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. It's beautiful, really. It's <laughs> yeah. it's nice, old, quaint Boston. You get something to eat, you know, yep. walking around there. There's tables and stuff you can sit at. Nice place. The uh, fake Cheers is there. I was actually wondering about that. Um, since the popularity of Cheers, were there very uh, many bars that kind of used the name Cheers just to, you know, get people to come through the door? Um, I, th- I think there's only two or three of them. Yeah, I think they're you know, strict with the name. Uh, the Bull and Finch Pub, which is the, uh, that's the establishing shot. Mm. Yep. You can still visit that. And, uh, you know, we, I went with my friend Paul, we walked around, we took pictures, you know, it, it's exactly what you see in the original show, except when you go inside, it's not that set. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, the, the when, show was when you go inside, especially if they take you upstairs, upstairs, it's, you know, all fancy and stuff like that. Uh, downstairs is still like the, or at least last time I was there, you know, it's still like, you know, the old dive bar sort of, mm-hmm. which that's, I had my first beer there. Oh, nice. Paul and I had uh, loaded potato skins there that were actually uh, really good. It, it, <laughs> we sat right in front of a Sam Malone Red Sox jersey that was framed and put up there. Nice. Yeah. I, I made a point of, uh, making sure that when I got it, I was, you know, got it downstairs in like the, you know, the old section. Yes. In the seedy section. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not the uh, tourist trap upstairs, so. Yeah, you can go in there and buy, like, all kinds, like, I think Paul bought shot glasses to bring home that have the Cheers logo. There's all kinds of Cheers merchandise you can buy there as well. T-shirts and all kinds of stuff. Well, obviously, I mean, yeah, that's what, you got to make some money somehow from that TV show. Oh, yeah. Un- unlike other places which try to hawk Frasier-related materials. <laughs> but you don't know what kind of Frasier material you could sell. And what's like, hey, here's a shot glass from the TV show Frasier. Be like a wine bar or something like yeah. that. Tossed salad, scrambled eggs. Here's some tossed salad. <laughs> here's a, you know, a, a, a seat for your dog. <laughs> it's like, we, we really can't think of anything. A microphone, because hit the radio show. Why yeah, you, yeah, yeah, why, there you go. Why are you guys walking away? <laughs> you don't remember the show? 
<laughs> now, uh, when we get this shot of Quincy Market behind them, we see a sign for Teddy Ball Game Refrigerators and Freezers. I love that. <laughs> this this Hamish is a pretty grim reference. Uh, Teddy Ball Game was the nickname of Ted Williams. He was a, a Red Sox Hall of Famer. He played in the the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. He was considered by many to be the best pure hitter of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, after he passed away, I want to say what, the early 2000s? I think so, yeah. There, there was a fight amongst his children about what would happen to his body. Mm-hmm. And uh, reportedly, his son kind of went against the wishes of the rest of the family and had him cryogenically frozen. <laughs> and then uh, there, there was like a, a will that was produced saying, <laughs> oh no, he wanted this. And it, there was a fight amongst the family whether the will was real or not. But anyway... Ted Williams was cryogenically frozen, and I think they even said his head was separated from his body. Yeah, I believe so. It was really, really bad. (laughs) So, that's the refrigerators and freezers reference here. Wow. (laughs) That's that's a very, again, very intriguing situation right there. It's like, no, he wanted to be frozen. No, just his head. Where's his body? I don't know, in the ocean? Yeah. So anyway, next to that, we see the sign for lawful seafoods, along with the catchphrase, if it isn't fresh, it isn't lawful. Uh. <laughs> and Kevin, you know what this is? Yep, that would be legal seafoods. With the the catchphrase, if it isn't fresh, it isn't legal. It isn't legal. <laughs> Good uh, lobster ravioli at uh, legal seafoods. Is that, you, you, is that your shout out to them? Yeah. Hey, Roger Berkowitz, <laughs> get me some... Some lobster ravioli. Hook me up. Then the mail, you get this envelope. Which is like, <laughs> like a soggy envelope. Yeah, soggy envelope that's leaking. It's like, and it just says, hey, thanks for the shout out. And it's like, just. <laughs> hey, this was postmarked a week ago. This isn't fresh. And half of this has been eaten. <laughs> then I feel the handcuffs come on. That's illegal. Pass the police. So, uh. So cutting back to Homer, uh, who is defiantly wearing now his Springfield Adams jacket, we see that he is consulting his travel book entitled Let's Hate Boston. And uh, he asks, you know, what they should hate first. There's the Freedom Trail, which is a real thing Kevin had mentioned, uh, or the Touch Tank at the New England Aquarium. Also a real thing. Yes. Uh, Been there many times on school field trips. Yep. Yeah, you you can pet sharks and stingrays and stuff. Yeah. But instead, Bart wants to go to Southie, which he describes as having the towniest townies of any town. <laughs> and uh, Southie is uh, a nickname for South Boston, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> yep. Remember what I was, when I was talking about how the accents get thicker the closer you get? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's the epicenter right there. Oh, yeah. Dear God, how can they withstand so much Bostonian power? I, I don't know what you call it if you get closer. Bostonianisms. <laughs> <laughs> Bostonite. Boston. Yeah, it's like it's a kryptonite. Yeah. Bostonite. Bostonite. <laughs> you get weaker the closer you get. Yeah, that's why there's no Boston Superman. It's like, eh, I can't go there. <laughs> the green shamrock is uh, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, the kryptonite chunk. Anyway. Lucky? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, lucky for some. Lucky the leprechaun. No, lucky the leprechaun. I know, but not for Superman. <laughs> I mean, you know, Boston Superman can't go anywhere near it. He's like, eh. Wait, is Mr. Mixie's Pitlick the uh, the lucky the leprechaun of the DC? Well, I can't, we can't get into that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but that's like saying Batmite <laughs> is the same thing as well. <laughs> that's true. So, all right, we, can, we, can't, we can't go down this rabbit hole. Just quickly. So, just, anyway. Just quickly. Bot's wearing pants. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's just something that just springs to mind. Bart is wearing pants, and I haven't seen him wearing pants in... I can't recall. Like, he's he's got his normal outfit on top, but he's wearing pants, you know? Mm-hmm. This is just a, an well, insane thing I've noticed. It's like wearing pants. It's a little chilly up here, you know, this time of year. He's yeah. finally bought yeah, himself weather. some casual pants to match his orange t-shirt. <laughs> It's, uh, well, it, you know, it's autumn, and so now we're we're kind of like, wh- what are we, getting into the, the 50s, 40s at night here? Yep. Mm. So, yeah, pants weather, totally acceptable. It's totally blown away by this new technology that the Simpsons have found, <laughs> drawing pants <laughs> on Bart Simpson. So, Homer's now upset that, that Bart still loves Boston, Bostonians. He, he wants to demonstrate how terrible these people are. So he tells Bart to watch as the people are now going to tear him limb from limb at the slightest provocation. So he bumps into a guy, he hops onto a cement pedestal, he starts calling those around him things like, you clam-gargling tea-tossers, and saying that Fenway is a terrible ballpark. This is a pretty funny moment. And all, you know, his complaints about Fenway, no one in Boston would disagree. (laughs) All true. (laughs) All true. We'll get into it. Yeah, he says that the... um, he, he says that the, the seats at Fenway are too narrow, and many of them face center field. All true. <laughs> yep. A lot of those sections are from, like, the 30s and 40s. Yep. Very uncomfortable and facing the wrong way. Part of the charm of uh, America's most beloved ballpark. Yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> yeah, I think the only <laughs> Yeah, the only statement I think he'd get any pushback from is the fact that, oh, it's a teardown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, we, we cut to a, a shot further back and there's just many more easter eggs here so let's get right into these Uh, yeah and this uh, this section is where uh at christmas time that's where they have that gigantic christmas tree is uh right in that center there oh yeah they somehow apparently walked from one end of faneuil hall to the other because this is the opposite side (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) that that christmas tree is an annual gift from halifax yep for uh a thanks to boston for their assistance in the uh, the explosion that they had many many years ago, yep, and that would be Halifax, Nova Scotia, not Halifax, Mass. <laughs> yes, yeah, I should clarify. So we got a lot of Easter eggs here. A sign for Filene's basement's attic. Yep, that seems like sorry. Is this a basement's attic? Yes. Yes. You yeah, want to explain that, that one, Kevin? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> Filene. Well, there's Filene's, and then uh, Filene's basement was more the like you know the bargain. You know, version of the store, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, that a pretty good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which is filings even around anymore? I think they're gone, right? I'm trying to think, because uh, there was wasn't there two of them at the mall down there? No, well, our, our filings is gone, long gone. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a fi- filings kind of a local department store, and the clearance one was filings basement, and then filings folded, and filings basement became an independent business and stuck around for a little bit. Uh, but then they folded, and so, yeah, I guess Filene's Basement's Attic is, like, even worse clearance <laughs> items. <laughs> it's like it's like it's from the bottom to the top. You know, yes. This guy's the yeah. basement attic. That's true. Probably a better quality than, I don't know. Yep. And all the little uh, street carts that you see around in this area, those are definitely all there in uh, in Faneuil Hall as well. Mm-hmm. Including one with a lot of bobbleheads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that, that exists. <laughs> Uh, we also get Noam Chomsky's Grinders and Fraps. <laughs> Noam Chomsky is a Boston-based theoretical linguist. 
He's also the Institute Professor Emeritus of MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Uh, evidently, uh, Matt Selman says that he loves grinders and fraps. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> Is grinders kind of a... Bo- I don't. Th- I never thought of grinders as kind of a Boston term for a sub Yeah, I had that in my notes too, because I, I don't... I never called them grinders. Me either. It was always uh, go grab a sub. Yeah. Yeah, so like and, we, I, we don't have the term, I think, grinders here. We don't really say that. I mean, unless you're talking about coffee grinder. You know, <laughs> if, you, if you really have coffee. But <laughs> yeah, it, I, if, like, it's, it's, the only thing that's ever confused me about um, terminology from food was sliders. When oh, someone yeah. says like, oh, let's go get oh, some yeah. sliders. I'm like, the TV show from the early 2000s, late 90s, to early 2000s <laughs> with Jerry O'Connell, which kind of just faded out. Um, and then, yeah, it's those small little hamburgers, which, you know, let's, let's all be reasonable here. Let's just have a hamburger. Like yeah, a, exactly. Like a, like a proper size. I don't want these small little teaser hamburgers. I just want to eat a real one. I don't know, <laughs> like, again, I think we've talked about this before, the word sliders. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you call them sliders, just because I think <laughs> what you said, Scott, was that slides down the gullet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which makes complete sense. It's like, yeah, because we all eat like ducks. Yeah, it's a gluttonous <laughs> thing. Uh. Now, fraps, on the other hand, that oh yeah, that's a familiar term. Yep, fraps, milkshakes, all the yep. same thing. Yep. If you notice on the left side of the screen in this scene, there, there's the statue of legendary Boston Celtics coach Red Auerbach, and this is a real statue uh, of him sitting on a bench. You can sit down right next to him. Does he talk? Um, I think if you put a quarter depends in his on ear, how drunk you are. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> he's he's he the one telling you to go home if you're talking to him. He's like, yeah, well, yeah, you should go home. Wow, you're really wasted. <laughs> and of course, he's uh, off on the cigar. <laughs> and of course, he's famous for you know lighting up a cigar before games were over. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if the Celtics were going to win, he would fire up a cigar. Yep. Yeah. Jeez. Like uh, towards the end of the game. Yeah, the Celtics were were up. He would do that, just sort of, you know, to rub it in the other team's face. <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. Yep, it's pretty good showboating there. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't imagine why everybody hates us here. <laughs> <laughs> now, at the bottom of the shot, there's a, a cart called Menino's Paninos, which is a reference to the the late longtime mayor of Boston, Tom Menino, who met AKA Selman- Mumbles. <laughs> Yes, well, they yes, they used to make fun of his mumbled speech, speech impediment. But uh, he was a longtime mayor of Boston. Matt Selman describes him as probably liking paninis. So that's why they did this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we cut back to, to Homer, and he continues to rant to those around him as Bart takes out a cell phone to record him. Uh, Homer makes the, you know, the complaints about the dimensions of Fenway. And uh, he hops down, bumping into a cart of Boston-themed bobbleheads. There's a doctor in the crowd, voiced by Rachel Dratch, uh, who warns that the, the cart is tipping. And Rachel Dratch is from Lexington, Mass. And the, she's she's doing a, a voice here. It's Do you remember the Bostonians sketches from SNL? Yes. Her and Jimmy Fallon, they love Noma! Noma! <laughs> so that's kind of the voice we get here. Uh, we also get a guy in, in kind of like a Red Sox-type jacket. I believe this is the character voiced by Bill Burr. Tries to warn Homer about the cart, but Homer doesn't understand cot <laughs> instead of cart. <laughs> and all of the bobbleheads fall down on top of him. 
Now, do you think uh, the Beantown Bobblers was a Buckner reference? Oh, you know what? It probably was. I didn't even think of that. Well, now you got to explain to Hamish Bill Buckner. I ain't doing it. <sighs> do I have to? Yeah. <laughs> we, we <laughs> Why does this seem like a struggle? What am I about to experience here? A lot of pain, Hamish. Yeah. But we won no, I, since I, then, so it's not as bad. <laughs> we forgave him. Yeah, yeah. When you say pain, did you ever watch Bez Lerman's Australia? No. No. Eh? Yeah, that, that's a lot of pain. Okay, that's, well, that's... sports pain. Sports pain. Oh, yeah. okay. Because different situation, I mean, you know, I'm not complaining about that movie, but I've only watched it once, and it was enough for me because it was very... How do I put it? It's like any Australian that ever existed is, is in that movie. Oh, like yeah. Brian Brown. <laughs> you know, Brian Brown is a guy who who appear, you know, in, in anything that's slightly related to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, even though he's most known in America uh, for doing the movie FX mm-hmm. and FX2, the uh, Deadly Art of Illusion. <laughs> I uh, love those but movies. Not, not, not the TV show, unfortunately, which is a great shame. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to hear your pain. All right. Well... <laughs> A uh, quick explanation, basically 1986 World Series uh, against the Mets and batter hits the ball and the first baseman goes to field it and it goes right between his legs oh. and it all kind of went downhill after that and we did not win <laughs> until 2004. It went right through his legs. Yep. Now keep in mind, Hamish, the Red Sox <laughs> at that point had not won a championship since 1918. So this was 1986. This was uh, as close as they had gotten since uh, 1975, previous to that. Yeah. So, you know, everyone had just been waiting so long. And uh, they were they were about to win that game. They ended up losing that game and the next one. Hmm. Sounds like a hot streak of losing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty much the, uh, the whole Boston winning the kissing their knuckles as the fans were in this that that yeah. attitude had not started until probably 2004 once yeah. they got a couple of championships under their belt but yeah this was a loser town for a long time well you know that kind of attitude that fresh attitude that fresh uh cocky showboating attitude i think you know it's deserved you have to live it up as best you can and when you go back into the gutter of sports <laughs> then unfortunately you just yeah, live the high life, and when you live the low life, unfortunately, you know why you're in the low life. I, I can understand. <laughs> but, uh, hey, live it up. Enjoy it while we can. Yep. Yeah. Absorb all that adjuration and the hatred from other people, and then just go, oh, well, okay, well, we, we lost. I mean, that's <laughs> if they ever go back down. I mean, you know, you can always be living in a high life for the rest of your entire career. Unlikely, but sure. <laughs> so some right. of the other uh carts that were in in the little area there we also had the dukakis eyebrows i don't yep. know if you saw that one <laughs> former governor of massachusetts michael dukakis yep. and uh spencer's for hire <laughs> which uh was a, a a detective show in the 80s starring robert urich yep and uh, also a play on spencer's gifts which is still around but we we don't have one on cape cod anymore yeah, the, I think there's still one at uh, South Shore Plaza. Oh, wow. And if we look at those bobbleheads that, that fall onto Homer, uh, we, we see that there is Barney Frank, a uh, Massachusetts congressman, uh, the former conductor of the Boston Pops, Arthur Fiedler, actors Leonard Nimoy and Connie Britton, also the Boston-based band The Pixies, and there, there's also just generic sports guys representing the Boston Red Sox, Boston Celtics, Boston Bruins. 
Now the 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 cart entirely tips over on Homer, and he gets what they called bobbled by the bobbleheads, and uh, he reacts in fear. Uh, and he actually shouts out the names of some of the bobbleheads here. Uh, we see comedian Stephen Wright, uh, musician Amy Mann, who isn't from Boston, but she did go to Berkeley College of Music, started her music career here. So they put that in there to represent Berkeley, and uh, we also get the bobblehead Belle Biv DeVoe. Can you say that five times fast? Uh, I'm surprised I said it right the first time, (laughs) so I'm not going to push it. (laughs) So Rachel Dratch's doctor character goes over to help Homer, along with uh, Bill Burr's character, who we learn is also a doctor. The whole medical team now surrounds Homer. Uh, The doctor notices a Pedro lodged in Homer's airway and pulls out the toy head of Hall of Fame Red Sox pitcher Pedro Martinez. Uh, she assured Marge that Homer will be fine, and be- because of the state's super socialized health care, no matter how much he abuses his body, someone else will pay for it. And there's even, uh, we learned there's a whole surgical center for injuries from falling off icy roofs and gutters. Or what does she say, roofs? Roofs. But that does happen quite a bit around here. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you definitely do have to shovel the roofs of your house. Yeah. You should see the lunatics around here, Hamish. So, there's guys that'll shovel their driveway without a shirt on when you drive by. <laughs> hey, I only did that four or five times. <laughs> and you're taking the shirt off because it helps with mobility or you just really like the, you know, Vladimir Putin He wants style. to get in the paper. When you're shoveling four feet of snow, you know, out of a huge driveway, it gets hot. <laughs> he just wants to be honked at. Yep. <laughs> It's like, ladies. <laughs> Actually, that was my uh, Mike Napoli World Series uh, jersey. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, a reference to Mike Napoli drunkenly wandering Boston after <laughs> the Red Sox won the World Series with no shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's what you do. Yeah. Evidently. Yep. So uh, we cut to a little while later. The doctor finishes up with Homer. Marge tells him that while they finish pulling out the tiny Bruins helmets out from under his skin, her and Lisa are going to explore the hub on their own. And uh, the, the hub is a nickname for Boston. Okay. Why? Because uh, it's the center of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the hub. Well, I, no, well, it's not center of America, obviously. Because I looked at the map. <laughs> it is if you ask the right person around here. <laughs> and by the right, right person, person, I mean most. Center of the sports world. <laughs> oh, just the sports world, not the scientific community. Oh, but that too. too. Well, you know, well, isn't MIT. Like, yeah, and medical. Isn't that like... <laughs> yeah. I was supposed to say Boston Dynamic or something out there. The guys built the robots. Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, you are closer enough to... Yeah, you know, center of technology. We're the hub. Yes, <laughs> that you are. So, <laughs> I'm not. I'm I'm on Cape Cod. It's the cod, then, not the hub, but the cod. <laughs> yeah, we're the cod. Yeah, give it up Vacation for the cod. Central. Yeah. <laughs> so I love how Homer's telling her, "Well, go somewhere bad," because you know it's a hatecation. Mm. And uh, he asks, isn't Mayor Quimby from somewhere around here? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just like the gag. <laughs> it's very funny, yeah. So, yeah. basically, you want to explain this? Sure. It's uh, <laughs> welcome to er, uh, Quimby, Mass. <laughs> city of Mayors, uh, which Quincy, Massachusetts is uh, the city of presidents. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, actually, the uh, the shot where they show <laughs> everybody all kind of standing around there, uh, that's actually the Thomas Crane Library, or, or the old portion of uh, the Thomas Crane Library. Um, although the, the curved part that they show on it, that's actually on the wrong side of the entryway. <laughs> oh. And uh, I don't believe that building has two chimneys either. <laughs> It's like right around where I was working. So, <laughs> oh, okay, nice. Uh, and the tower that you see actually behind it is uh, Bethany Congregational Church. Oh, wow. So they got very detailed yeah. with their references. Mm -hmm. It's just the uh, visual and the, and the sound of all the air, 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 well, air, air, that kind of yep. <laughs> the overlaid sound. And everybody sound with the sashes. Yeah, the sashes. <laughs> it's like Mayor Quimby isn't really unique. He's just some sort of a batch of a hundred other people. Most of them are mayors, but there are some that have sashes that say mailman, teacher, fireman, baker, oh, yeah, janitor. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. there's that mailman yep. saying in the, the front of the shot. Yeah. <laughs> Like Kevin said, uh, Quincy, uh, City of Presidents, uh, John Adams was born there. He was the second U.S. president as well as his son. He was the sixth U.S. president, John Quincy Adams. And uh, even though he was never president, John Hancock was born there. He was the first and third governor of Massachusetts and famous for being a, a very large signer of the Declaration of Independence. When you say large, you mean like he wrote his name the biggest on the entire page. Yes, because yeah. King George III could read it without his glasses. <laughs> He's, he's sitting there going, let me just make sure uh, you all know who this is by, the old, I'm going to put the old, um, the old, uh, me. Yeah, like he, he hasn't even got that yet. He's just, he's just like, I'm going to put the old, uh, the old, uh, I feel like I should be saying something here. The old, uh, letters on the page. Just writes that. And then the, everyone goes, man, Hancock takes like the longest to write. Yeah. yeah. It's just Hurry up. <laughs> I I rode a horse from Delaware to come here. <laughs> They're all standing around like, yeah, yeah, John Hancock takes the longest to write. That's why we call it the old John Hancock. It just takes so long. <laughs> so now from here, we cut to Marge, Lisa, and Maggie. They're taking a stroll in Cambridge with the, uh, the Charles River in the background. Uh, Marge is very impressed how physically fit and progressive everyone is, uh, especially after seeing a free sunscreen dis dispenser, which I, I found out later they actually are a real thing there. Yep. I'd never seen those. Yeah. Nice. The, the only thing we have down here is free dog poop bags. <laughs> or hand sanitizer. Now, oh, yeah, yeah. Now it's free hand, hand sanitizer everywhere. So when you say dog poop bags, they're empty, right? Not just like free samples of dog poop. Well, you can find those too, probably. <laughs> yeah, those are next to them in the barrel. <laughs> it's like, it's like I think you're going to the wrong thing. The bags are over there. Those, oh, thanks. It's just, it's just full of dog poop, that entire bin. <laughs> It's a free. I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, so now, all of a sudden, Lisa hears a buzzing sound, and looking through her binoculars, she's overjoyed to find the MIT, or Massachusetts Institute of Technology, campus teeming with every recognized species of nerd. And now she runs past them as she lists them off. Did uh, did you get all these, Kevin? I did. I <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't write it down though. <laughs> All right, we, so we got a jester-hatted ferret breeder, a, a wild westafarian, a magic the gathering gathering, oculus rifters, yo-yo guys, yo-yo girls, and a chainmail ping-pong player. And so uh, Lisa is just so overjoyed by what she's seeing. Marge finally catches up with her and comments how there's so much education there, and if they did a Real Housewives there, it would be a total snooze. <laughs> 
Hamish, you have a Real Housewives where you are. Yes, we do. Real Housewives of Melbourne. <laughs> Is it a total snooze? <laughs> well, I'm not watching it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need a bunch of... Well, unfortunately, in this situation, it's, it's a bunch of personalities, we'll say... Because obviously some guys screened a whole bunch of people and like, who is the definition of annoying? You know, just that <laughs> that kind of selection process, I believe. I don't know what kind of culture it is for the housewivian people on these shows. You know, is it is it vast, like, just nagging? Is, is, it, is it lush expense or something like that, I, I believe? From, like, the images, images I see, they, they, they keep themselves well-maintained, which is... Yeah. You know, it seems like a lot of work in itself. You know, <laughs> I don't know if they have to hire contractors to keep or whatever, whatever's going on the, uh, there together. But um, I don't understand the fascination, especially for Melbourne, for the housewives of Melbourne. Yeah. Unless you want them to talk about coffee and the traffic and, you know, the public transport isn't as uh, good as it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, from Lisa's joy, we now cut to Homer's consternation uh, at Bulger's Bowlerama, where he sees Candlepin bowling for the first time. <laughs> the, sorry, it's just the reference that's coming up. Because you, so, you think it's just, just the name, but then you see the character walk into the shot. Yeah, so yeah, Bulger's Bowlerama, reference to mobster Whitey Bulger, very uh, you know notorious. He was in the news quite a bit. Johnny Depp played him in a movie very recently. And uh, yeah, evidently he's there at the Bolorama. <laughs> Quite helpful to Homer. Uh, but uh, have you ever played a candlepin? Is that a thing that exists in Australia? No, bowling is. We do bowling. Yeah. Uh, and the candlepin thing, I can't say I have. I mean, like over at Sovereign Hill uh, in Bendigo, they actually can play Skittles, but that's not candlestick uh, bowling, uh, whatever it is, because I have not seen that before. I mean, it, is, it seems very... Interesting for the fact that you get, was it three balls? Yep. Mm -hmm. Three balls. I didn't even need three balls. I can throw a strike, one ball, one-handed, holding my phone while recording it. And there is a video on Instagram you can find of me doing that exact thing. <laughs> How many takes, though? <laughs> it took me one. I'm not kidding. Okay. This is, unfortunately, this is actually part of me showboating in front of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> because we got to the point where, like, me and my mate love bowling. Uh, and, like, you know, he, he, he gets to the point where he takes it seriously, you know, trying to get good shots, being impressed with whatever he got or whatever he does and whatever he shoots. But at this bowling place called Strike, you're allowed to drink. So I'm drinking and he doesn't drink, but he's doing it professionally. He's keeping it very focused while I'm just drinking, going, okay, whoop, doing a kind of ridiculous backhanded flip with the ball as it rolls and I get a strike. I'm like, okay, I got that. <laughs> so I got to the point of annoying him by just doing, <laughs> getting strikes, but also being very nonchalant about it. Like uh, a couple of times I'd throw the ball down the lane, then walk away without looking at it before, <laughs> before it hits a strike. And then I come back cause I've just gone to the bar and I can lean into him and go, did I get that? Was that okay? Was that good? <laughs> Did I hit the ball? Is it? Is this how I play the game? And he gets annoyed at me. So yeah, at that point, <laughs> I decided to film myself one-handed bowling. Well, obviously, you bowl one hand or two hands, up to you. Uh, and getting a strike while filming it. So yeah, that was a good piece of showboating, but I can't say I've done the candlestick bowling. Growing up, the candle pin places were all over the place. And uh, I actually, uh, you know, assumed, you know, that you know, you had candle pin, 10 pin, mm -hmm. and actually there's also a duck pin <laughs> on Cape. Yeah. What is duck pin? It's, 
you, I'm trying to think the the balls are the candle pin size, aren't they? I believe so. Um, yeah. But the pins are basically like the ten pins, but smaller. Right. And uh, unlike the uh, normal ten pins, they I believe they leave the uh, the dead wood down. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't clear it. Yeah, it's been a while for me. I think that's I think that's the case. Hmm. I didn't know it was another way of bowling. I did not know this. So it's quite popular yeah. over there. Ish. Oh, very much so. There, there mm-hmm. was even a candle pin for cash <laughs> that yep. aired on TV. I think it still might on some channels in Boston. Uh, yeah, you watch uh, watch people compete for money playing candle pin. Wow. Very exciting. Yep. And uh, every summer they do a uh, kids bowl free out here. Um, so I, I forget what the age cutoff is, but basically you can sign up and you know your kids can get two free uh, strings of bowling free every day over the summer. And just for like a couple bucks more, you can like add, you know, like the parents and stuff like that onto the account so that they can bowl for free all summer as well. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So, so what we did, you know, I signed my kids up, signed myself up as well. And then uh, rather than, you know, dropping three bucks to, you know, rent the bowling shoes, I just went on Amazon, paid 15 bucks for a pair of bowling shoes for each of us. (laughs) So, you know, you walk in and, they, you know, they're at least hoping with the kids bowling free, they're at least getting the shoe rental money. <laughs> you walk in, we're like, no, we're good. We got our own shoes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just see the guy. Oh. <laughs> but come on, yeah, the bowling shoes is that very much uh, late 90s slacker style, I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what he thought. You, you're bringing back the style. It's like, oh, he just casually wears these. <laughs> no, you don't wear those outside. Just in the alley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't wear them outside. Just in the alley. Uh. Yep. So uh, so we cut to some Bostonians playing Candlepin. And uh, yeah, that's just the great thing about it is the, the wood, they call it, the, the pins that are just down on the, on, the, on the alley next to the other pins, you can use to your advantage. And uh, Homer's like, Boston, they even found a way to mess up bowling. <laughs> <laughs> I did like how, you know, the bowling alley, it's, all, you know, kind of like run down and, you know, there's like stains on the ceiling and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, it's, I don't know, it, it's just a familiar feel, you know, because it's, that's, you know, you'd go to a, the local bowling alley and that's kind of how it was, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and I should say too, uh, that uh, candle pin started in the 1880s, I believe in Worcester and uh, duck pin uh, just around that same time, it's believed. It's uh, it's real popular here in New England, but I, they also play it in the Maritimes in yep. uh, Canada. So, yeah, Bart tries to convince Homer to at least try it, see if he likes it, and hands him a small candle pin ball. And, uh, yeah, Homer's surprised. His body doesn't hurt all over. And uh, bowls again, and he realizes that after two, he only has one pin remaining. He calls it the story of his life, and he's ready to press the reset button. So right as he's about to press the button, we, we see a fellow bowler looks just like Whitey Bulger informs him that, oh, no, you got one one ball left. And uh, it takes a while for that to sink in for Homer. But when it does, he uh, bowls again. He picks up the spare and he declares his misguided hatred knocked into the gutter. He kisses the ball and says, I like Boston. And uh, Bart even says that he and Homer are like real father son southies just like uh, ben and casey affleck which is some people say they they really look uh very different in age even though they're not that far apart and and i'll correct you on that he actually picks up a 10 not a spare because it was the third ball oh i'm sorry yes i apologize been a while been a while <laughs> you fraud <laughs> pink hat bowler i know exactly <laughs> 
Uh, so, so now we get a, uh, a montage of the two of them visiting various Candlepin bowling alleys around the city. Uh, the music <clears throat> that we hear for this montage is called The Man and Me, which was also used in The Big Lebowski. So a little bowling connection there. So did you guys get the names of these uh, Candlepin alleys? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> we start off with uh, Yankees suck. <laughs> <laughs> a very popular a f- chant around here, Hamish. Yep. <laughs> even at even at things not related to baseball, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they they started chanting it at the Patriots Super Bowl championship parade, the the, the rally that they had. Okay, <laughs> well, all right. For... Then we get uh, Patio Murphigan's Irish Pub in Candlepin Lanes. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's South Boston. Yep, uh, was it Taxachusetts? Uh, was that the one that had the accountants? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Taxachusetts is a name that people call Massachusetts. Homer himself called uh, Massachusetts Taxachusetts in in an episode. Mm -hmm. Our taxes are higher. It's like was it? It's actually like an uh, office block, and they're actually still working around them. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then we get to just huck it already, (laughs) which was great. And and that one actually is uh, complete with like the weird rug pattern wall. Yep. Oh Uh, yeah. That's, you know, at a lot of bowling alleys. Then we get uh, Lanes of Eddie Coyle. Reference uh, to the 1973 film set in Boston, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Hmm. Yep. And finally, Lakers suck. <laughs> <laughs> Just a uh, rival team of the Boston Celtics. So, Although Beat LA is like kind of the bigger chance. Right. But uh, yeah, the, the family shows up at uh, the last one and it ends with a group hug. They're, they're really having a nice time. So uh, we next cut to that night at Jordan's Furniture and Motel. And uh, so the joke here is that we have a local furniture chain uh, called Jordan's Furniture. And they're known for having special added features to each location. Yeah. So like the, the one in Avon has, the, uh, has a movie motion ride. Uh, the the one in Natick used to have, I don't know if it still has it, but it used to have a recreation of Mardi Gras on Bourbon Street with the Blues Brothers. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is that still there, Kevin? Have you I been there? don't know. I, I know the Avon one also does like the Santa's Village thing as well. Oh, do they? Okay. Yep. And like, you know, so they'll have, you know, like all the display with like the, uh, I'm trying to think how to describe it. It's not man. Uh, they're kind of like little robotic kids you know in like all these little shops and stuff like that and you know little it snows inside you know fake snow inside um there's an indoor ice skating rink and you know the kids get to go visit santa and stuff like that and last time i was there i think they had a robotic uh ray charles playing (laughs) the piano yes yes that was in the avon one yeah A a robotic ray charles Animatronic yeah. Ray Charles, as well as the uh, the two owners, or at that time there was the two brothers. Now yep. there's just the one, but they they had animatronic versions of them too. Really? Th- these were no ordinary furniture stores, Hamish. It just seems like a wacky premise. I gotta say, <laughs> like it's a furniture store. Yet you have a robot in your front window, or just in the building. Are you buying a bed? Here's a free TV. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, well, not only that, Hamish. Listen to this: the one, the locations in Natick and Reading also have 3D IMAX movie theaters. Yep. Wait, hold on. They're furniture places. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> wait, wait they're, they're furniture places. <laughs> what? Wait, IMAX? Yeah. yeah. What? 
They're very special furniture stores. <laughs> what? It just does not make sense. So I can't think of the logical leap between these two things. Where it's just like, so I got a furniture store. Do you know what people like? IMAX. It's like, <laughs> yep. yes, where are you going with this? Why don't we get IMAX in and then we can sell more beds and chairs and stuff? It's like, brilliant idea. How much is this going to cost? A lot of money. But we're going to sell a lot of furniture. And, and they then do. they'll also do uh, the promotions where, like, if the Red Sox win the World Series, if you <laughs> bought furniture there that year, you get it for free. Yeah, and, and well, tell, tell Hamish all about that one. Oh, geez. Yeah. It, what, that was, uh, was 04 the first time they did it? I think so. Yeah, I can't remember for sure. But basically it was, yeah, if they, because it had been so long since the Red Sox had won, they basically said, if the Red Sox win the World Series, if you bought furniture here during the year... It's free. <laughs> what? And? Yeah. What kind of business model is this? And? And the Red Sox won. Okay, so they went out of business. No, no. they had an insurance policy that covered <laughs> oh it. God. The the owner, uh, Elliot, even said in the commercial, he said, yeah. and I, I have an insurance policy. So he's like, so I'm rooting for the Red Sox, you know, like along with you. He didn't want anybody to think that he's rooting against it for the sake of his business. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. the, the, the insurance company certainly paid. <laughs> Yep. Wow. And it, and it happened again, didn't it? If the Red Sox yeah. swept? It, it, the yeah, Series? then it was like if the Red Sox swept uh, in, in the World Series, and then it was, wasn't it one of them uh, if they beat the Yankees in the ALCS or something th- like that? I think that? that was this year, which was like, oh, uh, right. it, it gets like more and more complicated because the insurance company is probably like, all right, we're not doing this again. Yeah. yeah. But it sounds like if you, if you want, the, want the hot tip, if he starts, you know, selling, they're coming up with those ideas. Where it's like, guys, free furniture if the team beats every single game. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I like the hot tip. Yep, I'm putting all my money on this uh, this whole thing to work out. But yeah, it sounds like the insurance company was, would have sat there going, the first time around, going, yeah, yeah, as if, yeah, that's not going to happen. You you can't take a gamble like this. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And then it happens. And it's like, are you kidding me? It happens a second time. It's like, are you? We have to work out a way around this. <laughs> you know, this is this is ridiculous. But there's probably somebody you know who lives down the street going, "Well, I need a new uh, table, and I need some more chairs. So let's hope uh, our boys do it." And we'll catch a movie while we're at it. Get some uh, IMAX. Get myself an armoire. It's all there. It's all happening. <laughs> I, I, I got to clarify, I did look this up. This was a promotion that they did in 2007. That's right. And uh, so, yeah, it did happen in 2007. <laughs> wow. But they've done, a, and th- that's only one. They've done a lot of promotions tied to, to local sports. And yeah, it's it's great. It's, a, it's a, a magical place. You wouldn't think that it'd be like an exciting place to go. But I remember being a little kid and we're driving past Avon and Stoughton. And I'm like, can we go to the you know Jordan's Furniture? Yeah, I wanted to go to the furniture store really bad. You want to see a robot? A robot, and I wanted to go. Uh, they they had the ride. It's called Mom Motion Odyssey Movie. <laughs> and what you do is you you go into the uh, you go downstairs, right? They okay. they have a lobby where they have um they called them Mom's Pearls, which were basically those oh, Dippin' Dots ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Did you do any of this, Kevin? No, no. You didn't go on it. No. Oh, okay. So they brought you into a, a theater. Like a small little movie theater. They they had a group of people, like so many, like 35 to 40 people or whatever. You sit down in the theater, uh, an, an employee tells you to get ready, and they have a screen. 
and you watch, and of course it was at the time, it was people like, I, they must have paid like, a, it was Al Bundy going, I don't know where Peg is. She went to some furniture store in Avon, Massachusetts. Like, they paid, like, these people from these different TV shows to, like, reference Jordan's furniture for this presentation before the ride. And they had, like, um, oh, man, I can't even remember now. Guys that would do commentating on uh, different local sports teams and stuff. And all of a sudden, something happens to the transmission, and you get a laser light show over your head. And fog comes in, fog machines, and you get this whole long thing with with, uh, syncing up with music. And once that's over, they bring you to the big theater, giant screen, they strap you into the harness, you hold onto the handles, and your seat moves with the movie. Oh, we got a place like that in uh, Melbourne. It's called the 4D Cinema. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, me and my mate went there like a couple of years ago. It is, it is one of, it looks kind of like a CD kind of place, but it has one of those uh, moving chairs, and you pick what you want to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all these videos look like they're from, I want to say like, like, uh, a 1995 computer graphics class. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would say. And the whole experience is, yeah, the chair moves along with the ride, but also, like, there's water effects as well, like it sprays yep. in the face, and there's, <laughs> like, here. bubbles in the air, and lasers. Yeah, yeah, same thing. <laughs> for for kids who have no store. idea what uh, movies are. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, this was not a furniture store, so I wasn't coming out there <laughs> jazzed about buying a brand new settee or something like that. <laughs> Gotta get myself a brand new couch. Did you see that video? (laughs) See how Ed O'Neill was really riding that leather couch? (laughs) I really want a slice of that. So so just a note, uh, you know, Jordan's Furniture mentioned in the episode, if you were watching the original broadcast, you know, uh, as it aired on Fox 25, our local Mm -hmm. Fox affiliate in Boston, Jordan's ran an ad during that episode. But not only did they run an ad, they ran an old ad that was a parody of The Simpsons. Featuring really? Bar- uh, Elliot and Barry, who's not with the company anymore, but they were as Simpsons characters, and it was it's a parody of the Simpsons opening. So uh, I-, I saw on Twitter, Matt Selman mentioned that his mother told him, hey, Jordan's advertised during the episode. So I sent him a tweet with screenshots. I said, you know, not only did they run an ad, they re-ran an old Simpsons parody ad. I vaguely remember that ad, too. So Matt Selman replied, I heard about this, would love to know how they decided to run the retro ad. Could Jordans have known about our shout out? So I, I told him they must have because I haven't seen that ad in years. So the next day I got a tweet back, try to find out. <laughs> so I was mm. like, hey, the executive producer of The Simpsons is asking me to do something. I'll do it. So yeah, why not? I, I sent a, an email to Jordan's Furniture and I just said, listen, you know, to their customer service. I said, listen, I work on a podcast. This is a really unusual question. But did Jordan somehow know that they were going to get a shout out? Or is this just a great coincidence? And of course, I name dropped, you know, Simpsons producer Matt Selman asked me to find out. So <laughs> I got a response. I got an email that said, good afternoon, Scott. Thank you for contacting Jordan's Furniture. And for your email, Elliot knew about a day before the Simpsons episode aired that Jordan's would be mentioned. So he decided to run our old Simpsons commercial. So I sent that off to Matt Selman. Nice. Matt Selman said, great work. Maybe some clever local Fox ad sales rep saw an early version and gave them a heads up. So uh, I I told him, thanks, glad to help. And I'm counting this as being a one-time staff assistant on the Simpsons. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> so it's my my chance to help out the show. It's resume material right there. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> as long as you got funny. that uh the uh a screenshot of the messages going back and forth, yeah, all good. 
so anyway, Jordan's Furniture, basically a special place, more than just a furniture store, but in this episode, this one is also a motel. So uh, <laughs> below, the sign, <laughs> below the sign out front, we also read, Free Nessen, no ESPN. <laughs> Which ESPN, not particularly loved by uh, people out here because of their constant, I don't know, bias against the Boston teams. Yes, that's how it's definitely perceived, especially during Deflategate. Uh, ESPN, I don't know, Hamish, you familiar with ESPN? Yeah, it's real. Okay, it's, you know, National Sports Network, but Nessen, N-E-S-N, that's New England Sports Network, that's the local sports network. They air all of our Red Sox and Bruins games. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we don't have that here. No. And they love the Yankees. Oh, oh ESPN does. Yeah, ESPN yeah. But I hear uh, Yankees suck. Yeah. <laughs> apparently. So, so, but apparently, I like that. That seems to be an excuse for anything now. Yeah. I like to see some kid, like, you know, loses a dollar down a drain and just says, ah, Yankees suck. <laughs> sure it happens. I'm sure it has, yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, when they actually do, <laughs> when they actually do suck, <laughs> it's just kind of like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just not as fun when when they do, and they're like, no. Oh. It's, it's not really a surprise. They're like, yeah, well, right. you, know, you guys have been saying it for a while. What do you expect? Oh, yeah. The rivalry is more fun when they're both competitive. Right. So uh, anyway, we cut inside. Homer's now eating a piece of Boston cream pie, and uh, he, he likes it now. For, for a cake, Boston cream pie isn't so bad. <laughs> um, now over Homer and Marge's bed, there's a small poster for The Movie Loft. Yes. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that, Kevin? I do. I do. I, I'm trying to think. That was, um, oh, what channel was that? Channel 38, WSBK. Yes. So basically, Hamish, this was a hosted movie show. Yep. One of the, one of, really the first uh, back in the day. It was hosted by a man named Dana Hersey, mm. who's in the picture there. And uh, I think their original hook was they were going to be unedited, uncut movies on TV. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it lasted for a little while. Uh, you know, he was, uh, kind of a famous figure mm-hmm. locally, Dana Hersey, but, uh, Matt Selman called it, what, the, the biggest shout out of Dana Hersey in the movie loft in the history of animation. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's true. In fact, da- Dana Hersey, I believe was part of that, uh, pre motion Odyssey movie presentation at Jordan's furniture, along with Ed O'Neill and others. <laughs> uh, so it shows you the level of local celebrity he was. Wow. And he, he, was, he was on top of that te- moving chair technology. <laughs> so Marge looks over at Bart and Lisa. They're sleeping peacefully on the fold-out couch and uh, tells Homer that she has had some crazy thoughts about raising the kids in Boston, citing its value of education, great health care, and where everyone's outdoorsy but still pallid. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> in my case, anyway. <laughs> I need some sun. Uh, so she's shocked to see that Homer is actually on board with the idea. And this is the, the chance they never thought they'd get the chance to knock down all of life's pins and fate is offering them a third ball. Okay. He, he, he kept on making references to the third ball. That's what I got to find out <laughs> through this entire thing. Get your mind out of the gutter. No, it's, it's just, it just seems like. <laughs> no, come on. It's a bowling uh, pun. Bowling I know. Come on. Come on. <laughs> but like, I just like how his whole basis for changing his mind is bowling. That's it. That's it. Just like, oh, yeah. It's like yeah, getting a third ball. Yeah, yeah. It's what life is like. It's like, okay. Okay, <laughs> okay Barney Rubble. Yeah. 
Fred Flintstone. He's got a crayon in his brain still, you know. Oh, yeah, he put it way back up there. Forgot about that. (laughs) So uh, as Homer and Marge embrace and agree to move to Boston, we see Bart and Lisa slowly open their eyes and quietly high-five each other. So they're they're on board as well. So I guess you could say they're shipping up to Boston. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could say it's more than a feeling. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Nice. Eh? No reference to Boston in this, uh, the band Boston. Yeah, well, that's Weren't they from New Hampshire? <laughs> yeah, but still, but just the name, at least. I guess they were removed from the episode thanks to, thanks to some editing magic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very good. But here's the thing I find with The Simpsons. They're not going to get a free ride. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. My, here's the one thing I keep finding with The Simpsons. Amanda. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why do the Simpsons seem to be always eager to leave Springfield at any drop of the hat? Just, you know, it's like, this place is better. Let's leave. You know. <laughs> they do it all the time. It's true. At this point, there's a typical formula with the Simpsons where it's like, oh, we're moving away from Springfield. It's not really a big thing anymore because I think, was it the next scene coming up? It's just them now living in Boston. <laughs> it's not like a big, yeah. it's not, not a big deal of them packing up and leaving and him saying goodbye to Ned Flanders or anything like that. No, it's just like, Let's just leave. <laughs> but um, yeah, every time they, they they do that, you always know like, yeah, this is not going to last. It's it's there's always going to be one bad apple. One one thing is going to destroy this entire situation. Yes, we we know what's coming. Yeah. Definitely, we we know it's not going to this the series is not going to continue in this fashion. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we we cut to commercial, and when we return, we open on some scenes around the city, along with the theme to Saint Elsewhere, the a show that was based in Boston. Uh, we we cut now to uh, I, I it look, almost looks like the is that the head of the Charles? I believe it is because there's all the uh, crew teams out there. Yeah, clogging up everything. We get some uh, some nice old buildings. We get uh, Bill Spaceman Lee Planetarium. Yes, this is a, a reference to uh, '70s uh, Red Sox pitcher Bill Lee, who had the nickname Spaceman not because he was an enthusiast of uh, you know outer space phenomena, but because of his crazy behavior. <laughs> they couldn't call him just crazy just, just spaceman nah he's a spaceman yep. spacey man <laughs> so uh also behind the planetarium is the former local department store Leechmere, which it's it used to locally be called Leechmere's. you know oh, go to Leechmere's, but it's really Leechmere. right went out of business in 1997 and we also saw uh cumbies and a billboard for uh 1041 right yeah yeah wvcn gets a, a shout out Cumbies is a, a nickname for Cumberland Farms, which is a chain of convenience stores and gas stations here. I also buy milk there every week. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You Big buy fan. milk there? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Gasoline. Coffee. <laughs> At the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Different containers, but yeah. Oh, I was worried about that for a second. It's like, here's your milk, here's your gasoline. Up to you. Yeah. Uh, you Big get everything smart pay out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> They do free coffee Fridays sometimes. Yep. Are you sure it's not that, like, the coffee's just not gasoline? Like, they've just, like, you know, added some milk to it? It fuels That's you. what makes it so good. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your uh, premium coffee. I mean, uh, regular. Regular coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you want the 87 blend? <laughs> <laughs> I hear it's high octane. Uh. Another guy leaning into it. He's like, eh, don't worry about him. He's new. He doesn't understand lingo. <laughs> 
There's also a, a Statue of Liberty-like statue of Basketball Hall of Famer and legendary Celtic Larry Bird. Uh, Matt Selman revealed on Twitter that this is called the Statue of Larry Birdie, which uh, <laughs> it, it does not exist. Uh, the, Why not, though? I'm surprised. He doesn't really have a statue, though. Not that size anyway, but a right. statue at all. I'm sure that's coming. Bobby Orr does have a statue. Yep. Uh, Ted Williams, as we mentioned, has a statue. Uh, or You know Ortiz is getting his statue. Oh, yeah, definitely. But uh, it, you'll notice he has one finger in the air, and uh, that's that's a pose that's uh, a reference to uh, his pose after winning the 1988 All-Star three-point shootout, which uh, you can look it up on YouTube. It was a, an exceptional performance, and he didn't even take his jacket off. No. What? Yeah. Great player for the uh, for the Celtics. So I believe that was a Dave King edition statue of Larry Birdie. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> so we cut to the brick apartment. So we see the Simpsons moving. Marge can't actually believe that they made the move. Uh, we see a lot of New England quilts on the wall. Kind of just, you know, some local touches. They begin to unpack things like the old corn print curtains. And we see Santa's little helper covered in bubble wrap. In bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. And again, butts wearing pants. Still got the pants on. <laughs> No, no, it's just, it's just surprising when you said the Marge can't believe they moved. It's like, yeah, you can. This is like, how many times have you guys moved or been put into <laughs> witness true. protection in other locations and things like that? Yeah. Why are you so surprised now? This seems like you guys do it on like maybe once a month. So now Bart brings his laptop over to Lisa, shows her a movie that uh, he describes as his life now. And uh, <laughs> cutting to Bart's screen, we get the film Mass Ave. And uh, so Bart skips ahead. And we get the scene in an alleyway featuring three characters. One is very clearly a Matt Damon type. The other, Ben Affleck. I, I couldn't figure out, who's the third one with the hat? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's either Adam Sandler. It, it looks like an Adam Sandler, but it might be Casey Affleck. That might be mm. who they're going for. Could be, yeah. But uh, these guys are voiced by comedian Jason Nash, who I believe, he's local, right? Oh, yeah. So in this film, the characters put on hockey masks, they kiss their crucifixes, and decide to rob a Harvard Coop. Those are a type of retail store, which they're open to the public, but you get, you get a big discount if you're a student of Harvard or MIT. And I think you can buy your school books in there and stuff. So it's not I'm like it think, was the, uh, the crucifix necklaces, was that sort of like a Boondock Saints reference? I think so. Yeah, yeah it's really hearkening to Southie, you know, Irish Catholic culture. I, I just like Bart's um, <laughs> description of the crucifix next necklace. <laughs> the X necklace. I got to get one of those. Well, anyway, I should also mention, too, that these guys... The friendly uh, fribble? Yes. <laughs> you yeah. want to explain that? Sure. Uh, basically, you see them drinking uh, friendly fribbles, which is, you know, the friendlies is a local chain out here. It's sort of... They got burgers. Uh, American breakfast. food. Yeah, it's, and the fribble is basically their milkshake. Although it's, a, I'm trying to think, the, is the fribble, it's a, it's a little thicker than a milkshake, isn't it? Yeah, it's an exceptionally thick milkshake, but still a shake. You still drink it through a straw. Yep. So it's a thick shake. Yeah. Yeah. Friendly's is also an ice cream store. <laughs> yep. And okay. You can buy their ice cream at the local supermarkets. So it's like a, a very thick ice cream based shake. So basically melted ice cream. In a sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's basically like you're trying to get the p specific word for like, it's like a milkshake, but thicker. It's like a thick shake, but I, I scream. It's like <laughs> thick milk. <laughs> and they, they had the uh, the conehead sundaes that you used to be able to get with the kids' meals. Yes. 
which essentially was, you know, your ice cream with a little bit of whipped cream on it uh, and like a face made out of M&Ms and then uh, an ice cream cone stuck on the top to be the, the clown's hat. Adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, from here, we, we next cut to Homer and Marge. They're looking at their view of the city, which includes the, we see the Prudential building there, as well as the Sitco sign over Kenmore Square. Uh, the the Sitco sign, I, I there's not even a Sitco there anymore, uh, Sitco gas, but I don't, I don't think anyway, right? I don't believe so. But it's like a landmark now. It, you see it from Fenway. It's all lit up. It's got neon lights on it, and uh, they've pretty much preserved it as a local landmark. So that that Sitco sign will stay. It's very much a part of the city. Uh, you'll also notice here Homer is holding a bottle of beer. Did you catch this, Kevin? I I did. It's uh, Brockton's best beer. And it's got a uh, boxer on the logo because uh, Brockton, where I live, is the city of champions, uh, home of boxers Rocky Marciano and Marvin Hagler. Oh. So uh, Marge wonders if they'll be able to afford this new life, but Homer assures her that they will with his new sweet safety inspector gig. Very sweet. <laughs> so we next cut to Neko, the New England candy company, which kind of looks like a nuclear power plant. It's got candy-colored stripes on the uh, on the giant stacks and pink exhaust coming out. Homer's in a white uniform. He sits at a workstation, which is nearly identical to the one at Sector 7G at Springfield Nuclear Power Plant. And uh, through the glass, we think we're going to see him do some nuclear power stuff. He gets a, uh, a bunch of green glowing rods sliding down a conveyor belt. But here we see they get sliced into brightly colored wafers. They get mixed with other colors, and they get packaged into these rolls of candy uh, by the employees on the floor. And Homer gets to call for a sample, and he gets to eat the whole thing, the whole roll, all at once. <laughs> I would hate that job. Neko wafers are disgusting. <laughs> we need to explain this to Hamish. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. They are awful. They're, they're, like, so bad to the point where if houses were giving those out, when you're trick-or-treating, you'd skip that house. They are so gross. Oh, see, that's, that's the thing. Like, if, if you, I thought you were going to say if houses were giving that out, you'd set fire to the house. <laughs> Whoa, okay, yeah. come on. Guys, you picked the wrong candy. Not in this town. <laughs> oh. What is the flavor, though? Is it like musk or what? Chalk. Okay. No, no these... Uh, well, let's let's go. Let me explain. Neko is a real thing. Uh, it actually stands for New England Confectionery Company, N-E-C-C-O. Uh, it's based out of Revere, Massachusetts. Uh, they're the oldest continuously operating candy company in America. They date back to 1901, when I'm guessing the wafer recipe was concocted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's kind of like, you know, the bubble gum that used to come in uh, baseball card packs. Yeah. Yes. You know, they just made a bunch when they started, and that's what they're still <laughs> giving out. <laughs> Use it to cut glass. Yeah. Now, they, they make a variety of different candies. They're best known for those wafers, as Kevin mentioned. They're very chalky, they're very thin, and they're sold in a paper roll, basically what you saw those employees make. Mm -hmm. Although, yeah, uh, like a wax paper roll. Yeah, and Matt Selman kind of noted they, they showed up pretty brightly colored on the show. In real life, they're very like dull pastel colors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the flavors are like mint, wintergreen, cinnamon, clove licorice like all like old people flavors i would call them <laughs> and chocolate uh, chocolate yeah not good but Amish. that doesn't no. translate to a chalky flavor it's kind of like you know like the variety or assorted lifesavers you know how they have those packs mm. it's mm. like that gone horribly horribly wrong and just <laughs> super depressing 
See, all I can think of the comparison for that is because um, you said it was chalky. Those candy hearts from Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Is it something along those lines? That kind of chalky. You know, there's some flavor, but not real strong flavor. I believe Neko makes those as well. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> it's like if those were having a bad day. Yeah. I think if you're eating candy hearts on Valentine's Day by yourself, yeah, you're, you're having a pretty bad day already. <laughs> <laughs> if it's really bad, then you switch to the Neko. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they're not for everyone. I, sh- I should say they're uh, certainly not for me. Yeah, Ugh. some people like them, and they're you know more power to you if you like them. They're they're good for some, but not my favorite. <laughs> so fair enough. Anyway, Homer is so happy. He's living his dream. He gets to eat candy. Uh, What does he say? He's finally living his dream of never not being around batches of candy. Yep. And uh, unlike the nuclear power plant, if he screws up, nobody gets hurt. He uh, then puts his feet up and he elbows a button. (laughs) (laughs) It sends steaming hot vats of liquid candy onto the employees below. Is that a reference (laughs) to the molasses thing? I don't think so. I didn't take it as that, but now that you're saying it, ugh. Maybe a very yeah, unintended. Just, <laughs> yeah, I, just, a, just an unintended, vague reference to it. Yeah, see, I wouldn't take it that way because, like, the molasses flood was just this massive wave of uh, of molasses coming down the street. So, wow, I'm surprised. This, is there a movie of that? No, one, no one's made a movie of that yet. No, no, not yet. God, they made one of Sully Sullenberger, and that took a very short amount of time to make. But nothing like that. That that sounds like like an incredible, incredible film. Ben Affleck, come on, get on it. Yeah. No, no, it can't be Ben Affleck. It has to be someone who doesn't live in the area trying to do a Boston accent. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, Let's bring him back. Let's go to a park the car. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the park here and get another beer. <laughs> oh, God, this is malicious. Oh, now I can visualize It's coming right for us, kid. <laughs> He's shooting at it as it comes down the street. <laughs> oh, shooting the bullets. Uh, it just writes itself. It does. Just thinking rock candy. <laughs> Somehow we're going to work that name in there. All right, anyway. So from here we cut to Bart and Lisa. They're walking down a sidewalk. Bart was hoping to go straight into organized crime instead of school, but Lisa tells him that their new school is in the heart of a place they used to call the Combat Zone. And, uh, yeah, that cheers Bart up. Uh, now it's just the Combat Zone Charter School. Uh, Combat Zone was a real place in Boston. It, uh, basically, before it was cleaned up, it was known for its crime and adult entertainment. But mostly now it's just, like, apartments and retail. But they keep the name Combat Zone? Uh, I don't think so, but I think if you, you know, kind of lived through that time, you know, like, oh yeah, that's where the combat zone was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if locals definitely still know, oh yeah, you know, they'll refer to it as, oh yeah, down towards the combat zone, you know. So it got, like, gentrified and fixed up. Yeah. So, uh, inside the school, if you notice, we see a poster for Reading is Fundamental, or Riff, featuring a bear sitting on a toilet. thought that was pretty yep. funny. <laughs> Which was Ted. <laughs> was that Ted? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, okay, I didn't catch that. We'll see Ted a little later. But uh, Riff wasn't really local to Boston. It was a national literacy organization. But do you remember Riff from school, Kevin? No, I don't. We had uh, some reading as fundamental stuff in elementary school. We did like a poster thing for them. But anyway, uh, Lisa walks into her new second grade classroom. It's taught by Doris Kearns Goodwin playing herself. Uh, she's a local historian. She wrote the book, uh, The Fitzgeralds and the Kennedys, of which you'll notice there's a poster. Yep, there's a the poster on the wall. wall for that. 
Uh, did you catch that poster, that that big acronym poster, Kevin? I did. Uh, the the Yaz acrostic. Uh, yes, America slaughtered Tories, Redcoats, Zed Slayers, Englishmen. Massachusetts shall know independence. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Hamish, the, the first letters of all of these spell Yastrzemski, as in Carl Yastrzemski. Mm. Uh, he was a Hall of Fame left fielder, first baseman for the Red Sox from the 60s to the 80s. A very great player. Yeah, this 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 entire episode—it's really jam-packed, full of fine details and hidden, hidden little messages. It's insane how much they crammed into this. I cannot believe how much <laughs> notes we had to go through here. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Australia, someone's still playing knifey spoony. <laughs> That's it. Call that a knife. <laughs> So we see that Mrs. Goodwin's lesson of the day is exploring Abraham Lincoln's 1861 suspension of habeas corpus with dried macaroni and pipe cleaners, which she has an example of. Hmm. So in Bart's classroom, the chairs all face the teacher standing in the middle. I, I never had a class like that. Did you? Uh, I'm trying to think. I think I did like once or twice, but um, let me think. It would have been, yeah, maybe like second or third grade, maybe. I don't know. Kind of a weird setup. Yeah. But uh, a couple of things on the wall here. On the left, uh, we get a very detailed map of Cape Cod. Yep. Woo! <laughs> you made it. Yeah! Finally there. You did it. Well, you, you didn't do it. It's just there. <laughs> Cape Cod's been there before you. But it's very detailed. They uh, they mm-hmm. got all the towns and everything correct. Although mm. it's it's broken up into colored, like, districts or something. Are the districts? That's not really a... No. But, I mean, all of the mainland part of the Cape is one county, Barnstable County. Right. It's kind of separated. It's almost separated into like Upper Cape, Mid Cape, Lower Cape type of thing. But I, I don't know. But anyway, pretty detailed map town wise. Maybe it's a reference to uh, Boston. Is the was was it a place for the first public beach in the U.S.? Do you have beaches um, nearby there? Could be all sorts of beaches on Cape. <laughs> We're nothing but beaches. Oh yeah, you had the oh. first. This is in my research. I read that you had the first uh, public beach in the U.S. Huh. I never even knew that. No. Well. There we go. You're, t- it's you're teaching us. For you. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Kevin, there you mentioned there was another poster. Yep, uh, the MBTA map is also on on the wall there and uh, shows the various subway systems. Very detailed map. Yeah, I mean, perfectly detailed map. And so, all the way on the right, we get the Cheerziotic table of the elements. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went through to actually figure out you know, who these correlated to. SM is Sam Malone. C is for coach. DC is Diane Chambers. And exclamation point is... Norm. <laughs> CC is Cliff Clavin. CT, Carla Tortelli. WB, Woody Boyd. FC, Fraser Crane. <laughs> RH... Sorry. It's just uh, the detailed <laughs> list here. It just goes on. It's crazy. <laughs> well, RH, Rebecca Howe. And LS, Lilith Sternin. I, I didn't know Lilith's last name. Lilith's last name. That's hard to say. Almost like the bubblehead thing. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> so anyway, Bart decides, hey, this is going to be a good opportunity to get sent to detention where he'll meet his bank robbing crew, of course. So he throws a sack of marbles in the air, hits it with a slingshot, raining marbles all over the floor. The teacher falls and the kids gasp. And uh, we cut to the teacher leading Bart down the corridor, saying that they have a place for kids like him. And uh, a couple more things on the wall here. Well, actually, and he also exclaims, how do you like them marbles? Oh, oh yes, yes. Goodwill hunting reference, of yep. course. Mm. 
And, uh, oh yeah, so on the wall, as they're being dragged down to uh, detention, you see the lunch menu with Fenway Franks, TD Garden Salad, and the Giletto Fish. <laughs> <laughs> Reference to our, our big three local sports venues, Fenway Park, yep. TD Garden, Gillette Stadium, and a whole bunch of Newberry Comics logo stickers on the lockers. Everyone loves Newberry Comics, though. Oh, those stickers are everywhere. I sent you one, Hamish. Yeah, you, gave me, you sent me a button, too. I've probably got about 20 of those stickers kicking around somewhere in my house. (laughs) (laughs) So the teacher now opens the door labeled detention, and inside we see a group of kids singing an acapella rendition of Shipping Up to Boston by the local band Dropkick Murphys. And uh, Matt Selman tweeted that this group of kids, they uh, they called them the Pink Hat Murphys and also the Dropkick Sallies. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I, I like how he ends it with, Departed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I also got a kick out of how uh, they refer to them as the kids who are gifted with exceptional energy. Mm. (laughs) Which that would that would describe my son to a T. (laughs) Bart's like, these are the bad kids. He says, there's not there's not a Wahlberg in the bunch. (laughs) The Wahlbergs notoriously from Dorchester got into uh, some scuffles in their day. Yep. Before they cleaned up their act. Started selling burgers. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it depends if you're a Wahlberg who started rapping or whatever you call it, singing, he did. <laughs> well, there's some good vibrations there. Oh, my God. <laughs> At least he found a shirt when he got older. He got older and he found a shirt. <laughs> we all tend to do that, though, don't yeah. we? I mean, he had a, he, I remember him having a hat and then he went like, well, I don't have a shirt. And then later on, lost the hat, found a shirt. <laughs> So uh, we next see Bart and Lisa on their way home. Of course, more Newberry stickers everywhere. I even tweeted to Newberry Comics. I said, did you see all your logos in the, the Simpsons episode? And they, they tweeted back, yep. Uh, Bart is very disappointed, but Lisa couldn't be happier. Uh, she explains that people think the city is all Southies and hooligans, but it's really teachers, PhD students, doctors, innovators, and philanthropists. It's like living in a giant classroom and every day is a new test, which that's like the worst thing Bart could ever hear. He covers his ears. And uh, begins to run away, and we get something very unique for the Simpsons here, as uh, the sky becomes stormy and almost like video-like, and the neighborhood around him becomes this, I guess, photorealistic nightmare scape. Yeah, it was pretty cool looking. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of, um, is it, uh, Monty Python, if you look at uh, the way they used yes. to do backgrounds to things. They usually spliced in real photos of uh, buildings and things like that and spliced them into the shot, usually done... Because, well, it's it's easier than drawing a background, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we got a couple of local buildings here. The American Repertory Theater, Boston University Theater, Brandeis University, Emerson College, Northeastern University, the Museum of Fine Arts, the Peabody Museum, and the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. So Bart finally snaps out of it as he bumps into the statue of Paul Revere. I believe this is the one in the North End. I believe so. You can see the Old North Church behind him. Yep. And, uh... Bart says to Paul Revere, oh, if you could have known that Boston was going to turn out so wussy, you never would have warned anybody. But Bart's hallucinations continue as the face morphs into Lisa's, and she says back, listen, my brother, and you shall see that this is a town not for you, but for me. Harsh words from an imaginary Lisa statue. <laughs> Assumedly. <laughs> and uh, this is a parody of the first line of the 1860 poem, Paul Revere's Ride, by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Did you ever have to read that, Hamish? No. It literally had no relevance. 
to I think we had to like memorize it in school. What was it like in the 18th of April, 18th of April in 75, something, something. Uh, Not alive. (laughs) You're doing so well. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, wait, this, I just want to click, this statue's in the Boston Common, right? Uh, It's along the Freedom Trail. Yeah, I believe the one of uh, George Washington is the one in Boston Common. Ah, Yeah. Interesting. No, I was wondering about, you know, just because. You guys have a lot of uh, interesting statues around there. There's a lot of them. Mostly guys yep. and horses. <laughs> well, there's there's also one of the discovery of ether. Yeah. Of the ether? Yeah. A, yeah. Yep. What? Wait, wait, you say be, ether. You mean ether? To be used yes. as anesthetic. Oh. Oh, there we go. Ether. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And I'm guessing that but statue's the- a knockout. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> And so Hamish, basically that, that poem, Paul Revere's Ride, uh, tells the story of Paul Revere. He's the one that uh, uh, had to look at Old North Church and see if there was one lantern or two. Mm-hmm. That's where there's the saying, one if by land, two if by sea. He was going to find out how the British were going to arrive. And so he went on his famous ride saying, the British are coming, the British are coming. There's actually some debate whether that is true or not, whether it was actually somebody else that did the ride, but... Uh, Longfellow mm-hmm. made a Revere famous through this poem. You can even go to the Paul Revere house. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go to that, Kevin? I did. Uh, we were just there not that long ago, actually. When I went in, uh, had friends from Denver out. We took them on the Freedom Trail. Uh, that was one of the stops was uh, we went into the Paul Revere house. It's pretty funny. All the modern buildings and here's this old house still preserved there. Yeah. So anyway, we cut to Bart now screaming in horror and we see later that night at the Simpsons' apartment, the family is enjoying a, a traditional New England dinner. Kind of a clam bake. Clams, lobster, corn. I would eat the corn, I guess. Yeah. I don't like clams or lobster. No, me neither. <laughs> not into seafood? Not, no. Not shellfish. I don't, I don't care for it that much. It's surprising that Simpsons really jumped into the culture, I gotta say. Yeah. You know, they really abandoned, like, you know, TV dinners that they usually have. <laughs> or any kind of, you know... Lamb pork chops they had back in their Springfield. All of a sudden, it's just like, ah, let's just get into the culture, dive right in. Uh, so Bart now kind of flipped on his feelings. He he tries to point out why Boston is a bad idea. He's even saying, well, that Grandpa, you know, Abe Simpson, is a thousand miles away. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and Homer only sees this as why the family made a good choice. And Marge agrees. Boston has given the family a better life now. And uh. We get a great moment, which I didn't catch this the first time. Hamish had to point this out to me. Yep. Uh, we, we see Bart on the uh, the roof staring at the city skyline, and uh, he's looking at the buildings. I believe this is International Place. Mm. And you want to explain what you saw there, Hamish? Uh, let's say some great city planning. <laughs> we see the tallest building, one International Place. Uh, looks like um, a middle finger. Yeah, <laughs> with the lights being yeah. <laughs> the, the fingernail. <laughs> it's just it's just funny because you don't see him mouth it, but he says same to you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, I was wondering because I was like, I did I miss something? I you know I watched it a couple of times and <laughs> I totally missed that. Okay, that makes sense now. It's very funny, and I, I tweeted to. Uh, to Hamish, a picture of what the real international place looks like, the whole plaza, and mm. no, nah, it's not really set up like that, fortunately. Yeah, <laughs> which is a shame. It's, it's a shame. I mean, it's it's a it's a good gag, but yeah, it's it's, it's a shame. 
Just so, just real quickly, is there um, was the John Hancock Tower in that group of buildings there? Uh, I I can't remember if we see it here. We definitely saw the Prudential Building. Mm. Uh, I think the Hancock Tower is there. Okay. It's in some, some one of the shots anyway, the city shots. Yeah, because apparently it was it has like lights on the top of it, which tell you to, uh, the weather or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys just have to look at a building to get some weather details. Yeah, it'll be like solid blue with blinking white. There, there's a whole color code you got to learn, though. Wow. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I liked it. I remember as a kid seeing it, but not really knowing what anything meant. So, <laughs> I just know red is bad. Well, maybe it's good. <laughs> it's true. Everything's red okay, guys. <laughs> red across the board means it's going to be sunny and bright. Everything's good. So... Bart's kind of all despondent now. Lisa walks over and tells him that she felt out of place in Springfield. Hey, but she sucked it up for eight years, and now it's his turn. So, and, and I will say the uh, the rooftop does look like uh, there's a handful of uh, apartments up in like the north end that kind of have that rooftop patio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Did he even have like some plants up there too? Yep. Yeah. So that's a, that's a common sight as well. So that night we see Bart exit one of the tea stations. In front of a church called Robert's Parish. (laughs) (laughs) With the pastor, Robert Parish. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, there he is in a large stained glass window. Uh, This was the chief. Yeah, the chief, they called him. The 80s uh, Celtics Hall of Fame center, Robert Parish. Wow. So we got Bird, we got Parish, but no McHale. I know. They were part of Boston's original big three in the 80s. But uh, Bart struggles to skateboard on the old cobblestone streets. That was a nice touch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he reaches South Boston, where he comes upon three guys working on a loading dock uh, that look just like his favorite characters in the movie Mass Ave. But uh, these certainly are not the characters from Mass Ave. They're, uh, they're only talking about spin classes, juice cleanses, and uh, charitable donation of laptops, I think, is what they were doing. <laughs> Solar-powered laptops. <laughs> is that what it was? Solar-powered? Yeah. And so Bart tells himself it's time for him to ship out of Boston. So we cut to the next day at Boston's Public Garden. The family is taking a walk, and we, we see there's the, the statue of George Washington, as well as swan boats, but kind of in a different form. Yeah. But uh, usually those boats look like just kind of like big swans. And, uh, of course, we get a family of ducks. Yep. From uh, Make Way for Ducklings. Big reference, Hamish. Yeah, I hear, I hear about this from time to time. Was it like the city allows these ducks to walk across? Was it that just trying to get... Across town or something like that. I remember this a while ago, made news down here, where it's like, you know, people were kind of making way for these ducks. <laughs> I'm sure it <laughs> happens from time to time. But no. uh, basically, there was a, a 1941 children's book called Make Way for Ducklings by Robert McCloskey. It won the uh, Caldecott Award. Hmm. It is a, uh, the official children's book of Massachusetts. <laughs> the official and, book. Uh, it is. Yep. Believe it or not, they, did, they actually made such a declaration. And wow. statues... Yeah. Of Mrs. Mallard and her eight ducklings were constructed in 1987. Which they dress up uh, <laughs> on occasion uh, based on whatever sports events going on. Yeah. Little Bruins jerseys on the little ducklings. <laughs> 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 Strange place, Amish. I know. Hey, you live there. I live in Australia where everything's Mad Max and on fire. <laughs> and all the animals are trying to kill you. No, no, no. You can't kill all the animals. Like, the, the animals are trying to kill you, but that's because if you don't know how to ride a kangaroo, then it's going to probably try and kill you. So, come on, guys. <laughs> You're crazy. You know, we have just people walking around here, just avoiding giant spiders, 
getting yeah, I was drunk. Say spiders, snakes. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing as water around here as you've seen through the documentary series Mad Max. Um, yes. Yeah, it, it's it's a crazy land down here. I mean, yeah, you, know, you guys seem civilized in comparison. Great barter town, though, from what I hear. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, you do, you might have to sell a child sometimes, but yeah, it's just the way it is. <laughs> Anyway, uh, back, back to the public gardens. Uh, Marge says she hopes this gorgeous day never ends, and Homer replies, so don't I. And uh, producer Matt Selman also tweeted out that this is kind of a, a, a Massachusetts saying, so don't, so don't I. Yep. So uh, as Homer says this, we see that he's holding a bottle of beer called Needham's Best. And this is a reference to the hometown of the writer of the episode, Dave King. Mm. But uh, Hamish, you pointed out something interesting about this label. Yeah, the label looks like the Plant Express label. Yeah. Which, you know, I guess vague reference to the, Sim- uh, the Simpsons' other parallel, I don't say parallel universe or future to come, but, you know, Futurama. And he's also drinking in the public gardens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and point being, he's just enjoying it a lot more with beer. <laughs> it's enhancing the enjoyment. I agree, but they don't let you do that. <laughs> I'm going to have to try that out then. <laughs> no, no. Don't do it in the real world. Just just keep it to cartoon Homer. We don't, we don't want something happening to you. So Bart tells the family that he has the perfect Boston activity for them. So they walk past uh, the Founders Memorial, if you notice. This is a, uh, a piece that was commissioned in 1930 for Boston's 300th anniversary. And uh, on that memorial, we see William Blackstone greeting John Winthrop along with the rest of those that came over on the Arabella. And uh, this meeting marked the beginning of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. So it's like a historic scene on that uh, real memorial. So uh, behind this, the family finds that the Boston Americans Rolling Rally is currently in progress. Locally, when a lot of the, uh, the, the teams have been winning championships, they've done what they call rolling rallies. They don't look like this. Uh, in this no. episode, we see like parades, like a parade float. But instead, we get a uh, a lot of uh, parades on duckmobiles, which uh, you want to explain duckmobiles, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, like the amphibious vehicles that uh, they would use, mm-hmm. um, trying to think, like uh, military used to use, uh, sort of like a transport type vehicle. Mm-hmm. Basically those, but usually spray painted like, you know, diff- blue, red, whatever. <laughs> and they just call them duckmobiles. Okay. Quack, quack. Yep. Oh, you know, I don't think you're allowed to quack at them anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that's what, what? I, I, I think I've heard that you're not allowed to quack at the duckmobiles anymore. Oh. I don't know why. It's, it's distracting. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It's like see someone read in the paper. Duckmobile crashes after man quacks at duckmobile. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So uh, the, the music that we hear playing at this rally is entitled For Boston. It's the official fight song of Boston College and Boston College High School, and it's said that it's the oldest fight song in America. Hmm. So uh, parting the crowds, Homer finds all kinds of Americans floats rolling by, including one with star tight end Domp Bonkowski. <laughs> <laughs> A parody of Patriots star tight end Rob Gronkowski. Is this just an insult to him, is it? Well, no. <laughs> not really. <laughs> you want to explain Gronk? <laughs> he's uh, off the field. He's kind of a, <laughs> just a goofy party animal. But uh, yeah, like when it comes to football, he's all business. Mm. Surprisingly so. He's, he, so. 
Yeah, like he's he's one of the few examples you see of someone who can really separate work and play really well. And when whenever he's doing one of those things, he's all out. Yeah. Wow. So much so that he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Yep. We we also see Flappy the Flag. No. <laughs> And the giant head of Coach Bonderchuck made of flowers. <laughs> of course, wearing the hoodie. Like, yes. Like, you know, grumpy looking face, dude. <laughs> and that's yep. basically what Bill Belichick, the real coach, is. He's a this grumpy guy, doesn't want to talk at press conferences, and wears a, uh, a gray hoodie almost all the time. Sometimes with cut off sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He sounds like a tough guy. Tough guy. He's the best, Amish. He really is. Oh, he's awesome. So uh, Bart remarks that it's a state holiday because the league overturned the coach's suspension for using magnets to affect the coin toss. So, <laughs> more Patriots cheating references. Yep. And I just love that, you know, the parade is happening during the season. <laughs> yeah, you know, they kind of hinted that it was a championship game at most Tavern because Mo is like, we're finally going to win one. I wasn't sure if that meant game or championship, but evidently that was like the Mega Bowl or whatever they call it in this in the Simpsons world. Oh, I I just took it as, uh, you know, because they were saying that the suspension was overturned. So I just kind of assumed, you know, oh, mid-season. Yeah, yeah. That could be too. It could be a parade for that. <laughs> so Homer tries to fight back the anger. He's saying through clenched teeth that as a Bostonian, he supports his team. But uh, Bart puts Boston hats on the family's heads, and he even gets Bonkowski to join them for a photo, and Homer is just so reluctant to put on the hat. Did you catch Bonkowski's quote here? The hat goes on head, <laughs> that one. <laughs> <laughs> Duh, hats go on your head. <laughs> yeah, so Hamish, just to let you know, there, there was a Gronkowski-like party cruise. <laughs> right. Yes. Is an actual thing. And I believe there was, I don't know if he still has it, but at one point, I think there was a Gronkowski party bus that was going around, mm. like just around town. Right. <laughs> no, as this was going on the air, Matt Selman tweeted, open letter to the real Rob Gronkowski. We love you and hope you see this and laugh. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Bart tells him, hey, if you want to live in Boston, you have to wear the hat. Homer tries, but he just can't get the hat on his head, and he struggles so much, he ends up ripping the hat in two in front of a shocked crowd around him. That's an impressive feat, I gotta say. He destroyed it. He ripped it in the middle. Yeah. yeah. How it's do you like rip a magnets. hat? Yeah. <laughs> and so we get this shocked crowd shown to us in six separate shots, each of which is just packed with with cameos and character cameos, celebrity cameos. So <laughs> let's get into this. Did you did you make a list of any of these, Kevin? I wrote down a handful of them. I I couldn't get to all of them. All right. So you wanna you wanna tell me who you got, and then I'll fill in the, the blanks. All right. Uh, so we got the cast of Cheers. Uh, we got the Boss Tones. Um, Carlton Fisk. Uh, <laughs> Ted. <laughs> yes. Uh, one of the Wahlbergs. I wasn't sure if it was Mark or Paul. Uh, that was or holding the uh, the Wahlburgers bag. I, I I assumed it was Mark only because yeah. he was next to Ted. Yeah, he was dressed yeah, up well, like I, his character from the film as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't one hundred percent sure on that. Uh, New Kids on the Block, Steven Tyler, <laughs> the ghost of Paul Revere, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bobby Orr, the Winklevoss twins, 
uh, Fred, the uh, time to make the donuts guy uh, yes, from the Dunkin' Donuts ads. Mascot from the Dunkin' Donuts. Time to make yep. the donuts. <laughs> uh, ducklings for make way for ducklings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Conan O'Brien was in there. Um, and then uh, Hawk from uh, Spencer for Hire was in there. Which, uh, thanks to Dennis O'Keefe for <laughs> pointing that one out. Yes, He was the first you. person to get back to us on that. Because that was the last guy we couldn't figure out. And, uh, yeah, I only knew him as Benjamin Sisko from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yeah. And, and, of course, after Dennis said that and I watched the episode the second time, I saw, saw the uh, stand in Faneuil Hall right next to the Spencer for Hire sign. Yeah, I totally missed it the first yep. time. I know so it was I, a bunch I missed, so. Yeah, so I here, let me fill in the blanks here. We also got Stephen Wright, the comedian. Yep. Uh, did you say Marvin Hagler? No, I didn't. Okay, so he was in there. Um, um, we get we also get the characters from the Mass Ave movie. Uh, we have the literary character, Johnny Tremaine, with his hand bandaged up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have, uh, did you mention there's Senator Elizabeth Warren? No, I didn't mention that one. Uh, Michael Dukakis is there in a tank costume. Yes. <laughs> this is a reference to a famous photo of him in a tank during his 1988 presidential campaign. Mm. Uh, we have Congressman Barney Frank. Also, next to the new kids on the block, we have Belle Biv DeVoe again. Uh, we also get uh, Whitey Bulger. We also get the, the frontman of the cars, Rick Ocasek. Oh, right. John Hausman from the Harvard Law movie The Paper Chase. Very obscure one. Uh, really? Yeah, and as we also get a lot of the uh, the Bostonians that were at Moe's Tavern. They kind of fill in some of those spots as well. And I think that's all of them. Nope, that wasn't all of them. All right, so there are a few more here. There's also the Candlepin employees that we see from the various lanes. Also filling out the background are some of the various types of nerds that we saw on the MIT campus. There's also a guy that looks like a Patriots militia man. This would be the, the old-timey dressed guys that stand in the end zone at Gillette Stadium. Uh, they wear tri-corner hats and they shoot off muskets every time the Patriots score a touchdown. Uh, Kevin also spotted a lady wearing a hat that kind of looks like Allie McBeal. I'm, I'm not sure. It didn't quite look like Callista Flockhart, but, but that very well may be who this is. Uh, there's also various Neko employees. Uh, evidently, they have freed themselves from their hardened candy shell. Hamish also pointed out Martin Scorsese, director of The Departed, or I should say, Departed. And also to clarify on the Cheers cast members, we have Carla, Norm, and Cliff, just those three. Uh, also, we'll see a Cambridge mom and baby in a stroller. They, they showed up a little earlier in the episode. As well as the Combat Zone Charter School acapella group. Now, there's also so many others uh, very distinct looking people, and of course with any animated show like this, these may be friends of animators or writers or, you know, people in their family. We don't know. There's a guy with a, a tennis racket with ETA on his shirt. I don't know what that means. That very well may be a Boston reference, but not sure what that one is. So there's tons of stuff like that, but anyway, back to the show. Now you said that was Carlton Fisk? I think so. I wasn't sure if it was Carlton Fisk or Fred Lynn. It's one of the two. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all of them. And of course, the Bostonian in the red jacket that tried to warn Homer, he shows up. And uh, the doctors, the, do yep. <laughs> the medical staff. A lot, a lot of people crammed in, into this uh, this episode. There was also uh, Bob Lobel was supposed to be referenced in here, but was cut, as well as a reference to Alewife. And it was also said that roast beef spots didn't make the cut. I don't know if they were Kelly's roast beef, maybe. Oh, probably. 
which also <laughs> there also was one in a Jordan's furniture. I don't know if it's still there. <laughs> so uh, finally, back to Homer. He loses it. He calls the entire team cheaters right to their faces. We even get some expression on the face of Coach Bonderchuk. <laughs> it's very surprising. So from this, we smash cut to the Simpsons' old house. Mo drives by in Homer's car. Still says free car on the windshield. <laughs> that was great. Now, they must have been away for only five days if there's only five newspapers piled up on the lawn. So anyway, um, inside, Marge is upset that uh, Homer made them move back, but he replies sadly that he just couldn't wear the hat. And uh, she wanted to experience one of those Boston winters everyone raves about. <laughs> you want to explain Boston winters? Uh, well, I would say it's probably, uh, Hamish, think of, uh, you know, the summers for you. Right. And it's, or no, well, I'm trying to think right now, uh, I, I get confused because you're opposite from where we are. Everything's opposite down here. Yeah. <laughs> everything. So, so basically when you have, you know, like everything's on fire, yep. it's like that, but everything is frozen <laughs> and covered in slush. See, I'd take that over the, the, uh, unable, un, 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 unable to leave my house because it's so hot. <laughs> Well, it's, it, it, it is getting ridiculous. If we could somehow swap. Yeah, I mean, you get trapped in houses, but then it's like, oh, you can keep warm. And, you know, at least you can... You can always put on more clothes. <laughs> yeah. Well, here in Australia, it's just like, it's hot. You barely wear clothes. And if you go outside, it's all fire. <laughs> all burning. It's no good. Um, but, you know, it's, it's classic Australia. That's what I'd like to call it during summer. Classic Australia. <laughs> Now, in the winter of 2014, especially, we had one of the, the worst winters on record here on Cape Cod, as well as Boston. There was even a, a large snow pile in Boston that was so comically huge that they even placed bets on when was the last day it was going to be in existence before it finally melted. And it was like I, July, wasn't it? June or July. Yeah, it, it lasted was, until the summer. Yeah, end of June, beginning of July, I think. It's insane. <laughs> how much snow we had in 2014 and uh yeah. you know and, last and i work outside bad. so i was walking through that nonsense every day at work oh yeah wonderful winters yep so anyway homer tries to reason with marge saying they could never move to escape their problems their problems are who they are not where they are <laughs> And uh, they admit that traffic was a problem along with the unspoken racism that wasn't that unspoken <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, yeah, Boston has that Sadly reputation. Sadly accurate. Yeah, which is sad. Yep. Now, entering the kitchen, Homer and Marge find Bart sitting at the table eating cereal, this time now wearing a Springfield Adams hat. And my, my son made sure to uh, point out the box of Krusty-O's maze. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is one path with no dead ends. And it says, <laughs> if your child can't finish, call 911. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks, Reese, for pointing that out. Yes, thank you, Reese. So Marge assures Lisa that she'll get back to Boston someday. And delusional, Lisa replies, what are you talking about? I never left. I'm in Boston now. And zooming in on her pupils, they change into Sitgo logos. And uh, cutting to Lisa's POV, we, we see she's welcomed home by Doris Kearns Goodwin. She opens the classroom door, bathing her in light. And cutting back to reality, Lisa's standing in front of the open refrigerator door. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yes. 
Homer's like a little concerned. Then he just like shrugs it off and reaches around her to grab a beer. And uh, from here, we cut to the closing credits, accompanied by screenshots from the episode and an acapella rendition of Shipping Up to Boston once again. (laughs) (laughs) And that ends The Simpsons' visit to Massachusetts. So what do you guys think? What what are your thoughts now upon watching this episode for the podcast? Oh, I loved it. It was pretty funny. Uh, And I mean, I'm huge fan of you know when stuff has like tons of little like references and easter eggs and stuff like that that you yeah. know you know like angie tribeca like there's jokes everywhere you know yep. uh, like s- stuff like that where you can just kind of oh you know kind of nerd out over it and figure out all the different things so and i mean i haven't watched the simpsons in years so i mean it was kind of nice to go back to it and watch it and <laughs> really enjoy it mm-hmm listen to you guys talk about how many references and how many small details and how many things that just jammed into this episode was it matt selman uh has put together uh for this very boston official episode uh it's great that there's a lot of love that you've got for um you know your the, the area of boston and you know all the little locals and the references and the, even tv commercials from the local area as well it's like <laughs> wow you guys like i like there's a whole bunch of stuff i didn't know now i do uh but it's like they really just jam-packed wall-to-wall filled of boston references i mean that's why they didn't need the couch gag because that takes away another couple of boston references <laughs> but yeah it's, it's they really put in a lot of detail into this and they've really covered um all the parts which you know are very familiar to you guys uh to me obviously not as familiar uh but you know it just makes me feel more insulted that the, the australian episode is just a, <laughs> just a watery broad piece of i don't know what you want to call it but it's australia but the most broadest version of it and yeah it does make me wish i wish they'd come back and do another australian episode just kind of fix it you know just just make reference to one Australian city or just get something right, please. Find some Australians. Get them in the episode. But, you know, it's just, it's, it just makes me more ashamed. <laughs> just ashamed <laughs> that the Australian episode was so just breezed upon with information while your one is just filled, like, to the brim of just detailed information about for the locals and for anyone else who's just watching, you know. I mean, yeah, it was a typical Simpsons go somewhere it's too good to be true. You get screwed up by one bad apple, and then they go back home. Yeah. It's one of those kind of stories. But no, it's it's really great to hear that you guys have found so many little bits and pieces within the episode itself. You know, it's a pour over and just you know, really absorb a yeah you know, a different point of view from someone who's was it Matt Selman came from the area, correct? Yeah, Watertown, I believe, is where he's from. Yeah, so it's interesting to see it from like you know uh, your hometown from a different perspective from someone else's you know, view and, you know, seeing all those things kind of uh, mixed together in the Simpsons style. I I love this episode. This is uh, definitely one of my favorites. And uh, yeah, lately, a a lot of the newer Simpsons have been pretty great. I know uh, it's it's hard to keep up, especially now they're approaching their 600th episode. Mm. So it's like, it's kind of exhausting for people that grew up with it. And some people feel as though it's trailed off. Uh, Loved all of the references, as you could tell. We've spent so much time talking about it. Uh, like Kevin, I, I just loved seeing every little detail that they hide. I love when they put them on posters and stickers and, you know, every small little reference. And like you, Hamish, I wish that they would revisit that Australian episode. You know, that's it's kind of antiquated, that notion where the Simpsons would go to a place, 
and uh, not have any knowledge about it, make fun of it, stereotype everything, and mm. and go home. And that's their, uh, you know, their gentle ribbing of <laughs> of, an, of another land. Mm. But uh, I'd love to see them go back and, and revisit that whole storyline. Maybe even, like, do a continuation of that story, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, in comparison to this episode, it is very... <laughs> I, I, like, it, it's not insulting, it's just like, oh, in, in the Simpsons universe, Australia really isn't that developed. <laughs> it's true oh and I, I got one final note for you guys Matt Selman tweeted a screenshot of a deleted scene in uh I'm guessing it's on the way home from school because uh Bart's in his his uh you know school clothes with the pants Lisa mm. has her backpack uh Bart is on a, a city bike which they have in Boston in front of a stop and shop which is spelt S-T-A-W-P and S-H-A-W-P Stop and show up. <laughs> Stop and show up. Uh, That's great. There's also two boxes of newspapers of the Boston Herald. And if you zoom in, you can see that the headline on the Herald is B's and C's at BC. <laughs> so, yeah, tons of tons of references. Packed so much to the brim that they had to cut an opening sequence in Couch Gag. So that, that tells you how much <laughs> they crammed into this episode. But uh, great work by Matt Selman. Great work by Dave King and everyone else involved. Uh, loved the the uh, the animation uh, Rob Oliver did uh, with that you caught there Hamish really old school style for the Simpsons very nice treatment of the city fair I would say you know instant classic anyway around here all right well that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play as always you can email us with your comments suggestions anything we missed whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play now you guys have anything you want to plug. Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere on social media as uh, One Wall Cinema. If you go to onewallcinema.com, we've got links to the Kids Unboxing Stuff uh, YouTube series uh, where my kids open up various things and kind of do <laughs> reviews while still being kids. <laughs> kind of amusing. Uh, and uh, as well as the IRIF uh, projects that my brother and I do, which is basically mystery science theater type commentary tracks. Uh, lately, we've been tackling something called the Chevy Leader News, which is a news program that Chevrolet put out. So it's uh, kind of like the Jordan's Furniture, where you've got a car <laughs> company putting out a news program, and uh, we make fun of it. So <laughs> check that out. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Sartan Hamish, uh, Twitter, Sartan Hamish, where I just talk about whatever comes to the top of my head, I guess, because because that's Twitter. And on Facebook at Silent Hamish uh, Art, uh, where I post uh, bits and pieces here and there when I get time to. And I'm also on Vine, but I haven't really been on there that much because uh, Vine has really changed <laughs> these days. Well, very good. I am on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Vine as well. There, my name is MC and Friends, and there I do flip page cartoons, little humorous animations. I've been away as well, but I, I hope to make some more vines uh, sometime soon if you listen to us on itunes please subscribe and leave us a five-star review it helps us out and if you do you will get a shout out on the show for android users we are also available to stream and or download on stitcher we can be found on TuneIn radio and the google play music app so you can check us out on those platforms if you have a roku device you can download the TuneIn radio channel set hitting play as a favorite and as these episodes are posted you can stream them right from your television well, we have been Hamish, Kevin, and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Listen, my children, and you shall hear 
of uh, Midnight Ride of Paul Revere on the 18th of April in 75. Hardly a man is now alive who remembers the famous day and uh, year. He said to his friend, If the British march by land or sea from their town to night, hang our Latin aloft the uh, belfry arch of the North uh, Church Tower as a single light. One if by land and two if by sea, and uh, I on the uh, opposed shore will be uh, ready to ride and uh, spread the alarm. Though... Every uh, Middlesex village and farm for the uh, country folk to be up uh, to arm. And he said goodnight uh, with a muffled oar, silently uh, rowed to, to the uh, Charleston shore, just as the moon rose over the bay. Uh, we're swing wide on a moorings lay, uh, Somerset British man o' war, uh, a phantom ship with each mast uh, and spar across the moon like a prison bar. And a huge black hulk that was magnified by its own reflection in the tide.